Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chainsaws and Claws, a killer monster podcast. I'm Patrick Vicious. I'm Rob the Slasher Drunkie. Uh, and this week, we are apparently doing my belated birthday yes. celebration, <laughs> which I was unaware of until immediately before recording. <laughs> yeah, because I realized, you know, saying like the, the last episode we recorded the day before your birthday, and we did not mention that it was your birthday the next day at all. <laughs> so this is happy belated birthday, Patrick. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the first movie that we're doing is actually, it's like a movie that's become traditional for me to watch on my birthday um, ever since it came out which is uh, Happy Death Day, um, Christopher Landon's uh, great uh, masterwork, uh, which is funny because, like, um, it's a movie that when it came out, I only saw it because um, it was when, like, Movie Pass was a thing, and I was seeing anything that looks remotely interesting, and I was just like, I mean, I don't know, based on like, the commercials and the trailers, if I was like, I don't know, but I was just like, whatever, and I just happened to be um, in the area of the movie theater at that time, and I like, walked into the thing, and I saw that it was sold out. I was like, fuck. And I was just like, so is it really, like, sold out? They are like, there is one seat left. And I was like, I'll take it. Um, and it was like, the far fucking left of the theater, um, which is not where I would normally take. Um, and I was just like, whatever, fuck it. Um, so I watched it and found that I really liked it. It's actually why, like, ever since I've had, like, such a fucking, like, loyalty to Christopher Landon um because like when i saw happy death day like i said like my expectations were not high but he knocked it out of the fucking park um and it's like as far as i'm concerned what of i mean like it's funny because like people bitch about like pg-13 horror but it's not only one of the best pg-13 horror movies of like the last several years i would argue it's one of the best slasher movies of the last decade by far nah yeah totally I remember I did not see this in theaters. Uh, I remember, um, as I recall, uh, the, the, this shows you how long ago this was because uh, this was at a time where uh, Best Buy's uh, DVD section was lively, um, and and they had. Uh, it, I think it was the this was the month of October, like it was at the beginning of October, and uh, they were having a sale on uh, their their horror disc as they usually did. Um, and like they had this on sale as well as uh Strangers Pray at Night, and I think a couple other things, so I picked those up. And um, I decided to watch this first because um, my, my idea was that I'll save one of these uh for uh Halloween night to, to be our uh, my Halloween night uh watch, you know. And I chose Strangers Pray at Night for Halloween because I really love the Strangers and I'll say Strangers Pray at Night for Halloween and I'll just watch this now. Um, I, I regretted that uh, at the time because I did not like Strangers Pray at Night, although my opinion has changed on it. I've come around to it and I, and I really, really love it now. But uh, I was I was very upset that uh, I chose this to, to watch over Happy Death Day because I really fucking loved Happy Death Day when I first saw it. Like it was just an absolute joy of a movie. Uh, it was incredibly great. With like you know, particularly obviously uh, the shining star of this film, which is uh, just yeah, <laughs> um, to the point where I like I, I remember saying that uh, they should have cast her as Captain Marvel. Um, although I'm fine with Brie Larson, but uh, Jessica Roth, it was just like uh, a revelation in this movie. Just like the, the pinnacle of just star making performance to me. Like she is like exceptionally great in this movie, 
And like the, the movie is just great as is, like the entire cast as well. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and of course, you mentioned Christopher Landon d- directed this. Um, as far as I know, like the only thing I knew him before this was uh, I think he had did one of the Paranormal Activity movies. Uh, was yeah, it- I want to say he had done actually maybe more than one. Cause I know he did the marked ones, but I want to say he did another one as well. But I could be wrong. I mean, he was he was a writer long before he was um, like a director. Like he basically wrote his way into the business. Yeah, um, I know he wrote Paranormal Activity four. Yeah, um, um, as well. So I want to say yeah. I want to say he wrote. Well, actually, I think he wrote. I want to say two and three. Yeah, I'm checking now. Two, three, and four, and then he wrote and directed the Mark ones. Um, so that was like his directorial debut, which actually I still have not seen. I actually need to watch that because I actually do have that digitally. Because like one of my friends was like, "Hey, do you want the digital copy for like the Paranormal Activity box set?" And I was like, "Sure." And I only watched like the first one, <laughs> like so I yeah. haven't actually gotten around to other ones. Um, but um, I have been meaning to watch that one because he did it. But he also did like the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which I actually didn't see until like I want to say last year, the year before. Which yeah. I also really like that as well. This yeah, I really like that one. Buried. Like, I didn't even know that was released theatrically. No, no, yeah. I, I, I really liked the Scouse Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, particularly, uh, what was it, the scene where uh, they, they were escaping out the window. My man, like, to stop himself falling, grabbed the zombie's dick. <laughs> <laughs> His dick's ripping! <laughs> Hang on to that cock, Ben! <laughs> That movie's fucking great. I love that movie. Yes, it's awesome. <laughs> no, like, yeah, but, like, you know, obviously he's, like, you know, since he's become, like, one of our favorite directors, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, we love, uh, uh, like, when, whenever he comes out with a new joint. Um, So, like, yeah, like, I, I was just, oh, man, this is so much fun. And it's like, it it's it, it been a while, too, since I seen, like, I think at the time since I seen, like, a slasher movie that was, like, this amount of fun. Mm-hmm. for me like where i was just like you know it's like like you know going back to like scream which like you know scream was like different because like you know scream was fun mm-hmm. you know saying i had a lot of fun and shit even though it took like the slash element series and it's like this kind of reminded me of that even though it, like you could say it was a lot more silly um but like you know I'm saying it, it took its like slash elements very seriously um but like yeah like this, this was great uh um uh, I, I thought the script was well written and like the film was well directed and, and obviously you know just a Ross performance is, as Tree. This is like to the point where it's just like she she's I just saw her uh, appear in the trailer for the movie Boy Kills World. Yeah, and it was holy shit, Tree's in this. <laughs> <laughs> like I like Boy Kills World seems like one of those movies I, I I'm not particularly fond of, which is like. Those overly stylized, highly obnoxious movies where, like, it's it's like stylized to the point where it's just like, oh, you're getting to my fucking nerves now. It's like, well, why I couldn't uh, stand, uh, like, where I tried to watch The Babysitter and it was just like, nope, I'm done after 15 minutes. There was this movie that came out like a couple years ago uh, called Die in a Gunfight, which was like a retelling of the story of, of Romeo and Juliet, but like for the modern day set. But it's just like, it like almost like what. Because it's weird because I was having this conversation like with Lindsay when we me and her did the snatch episode for Wrath of State and we talk about like you know um uh you know saying the influence of Quentin Tarantino uh, on filmmakers and like I was like how a lot of filmmakers took like the wrong lessons from a Tarantino movie 
and just made like their dialogue overly stylized and then like made the movie stylized and shit. And it's like like per- perfect example. And and I like Joe Carnahan as a filmmaker, but like uh uh Blood Guts Bullets and Octane, his first movie. And then like, you know, he made something incredibly mature with Narc, which I think is a full on masterpiece. Yeah. And then he fought yeah, and then he followed it up with Smoke and Aces, and it's like, oh, you didn't mature at all. <laughs> well, Smoke and Aces, I think, is like it's a weird example because they sold it as one thing, and it actually was something completely different. Yeah. Where it's like the trailers made it look like it was like this balls to the wall. There's a reason I watch trailers. Yeah. Is like the trailers made it look like this balls to the wall action like right. fucking extravaganza, and then you watch it, and it's much more like of a noir and like the in the kind of the the boots of uh, Narc, um, and then it's like I feel like he took it as a challenge because his next movie after that was 18 where he did do balls to the wall action. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's the thing is like, that's my whole thing with like the whole thing with like, um, boy kills world is like the reason I don't watch the fucking trailers. Like I was just, like, I don't know what the movie's going to be. And I don't really want to before I'm sitting there watching it. Cause like, it's very easy for things to get sold to you poorly. Or in the case of, like I said, like this movie where based on the trailers, cause I did see the trailers and stuff. Uh, because that's the whole thing was, as I said, it was during the movie past times, um, I really had no choice but to see trailers like over and over and over again um, because I was going to movies constantly and I was going at least once or twice a week. Right. And so it's like I would then fucking see the same shit over and over again. And like this movie kind of stuck. And it's like then you watch it and it's just like it's kind of what they're selling it as, but it's also not at all. Like it's like because it's on like, on like a superficial level, I guess, yes. Because if you really break the movie down, it's basically just hey, let's do Groundhog Day as a slasher. And that's definitely what they sold you. But, like, when you actually, like, watch the movie, it's actually, like, way more than that. Like, it's way more of, like, it's, like, I mean, I guess I I I can't say it's more than that because in the end, it's with Groundhog Day. At Groundhog Day, they made it, it's like, oh, it's like a a fucking, it's a a, a zany comedy about, like, a guy stuck in the same day. But really, it's a character piece about a guy kind of changing and growing as a person with this device. And this is the same deal where it's like Jessica Roth's character of Tree starts off as a really pretty awful person. Yeah. And over the course of the movie, like she's you're watching her grow and change. So it's it's a character piece. So it is kind of like Groundhog Day in that respect, but it's also in the sense that like that's not how they were selling it. They were just yeah. like, like, oh, it's like it's just like a wacky fun time travel movie. Like it's just yeah. like, I mean, yes, but it's also very different than that. No, that that's one of the aspects that I really loved about the movie is that um it 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 it's it, it's a it's a slasher film but it's like a slasher film that asks the question what if the 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 mean uh bitch in, in movies and, and the final girl in the slasher movie are one in the same she starts off as like you know the the the, the mean girl who you want to see get her comeuppance in a movie and then, like, you know, by the end of the story, she's our final girl, like, you know, who you want to see determined to beat the killer, you know what I'm saying? And I and I really love that, like, you know, watching her go through her arc and shit, like, her being, like, you know, just really superficial, and, like, you know, she's having an affair with one of her professors, you know what I'm saying? She She's ignoring her dad, she's really mean to Carter, the, the, the really nice, sweet boy, um, and the, 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 uh, more on Carter later, um... But like yeah, like you know, she she really turns around and she she just becomes this you know a pretty good person by the end of it, and, and I really enjoyed that aspect that like they they took a look at slasher movies like that. It was like how could we like change the mean girl, you know what I'm saying, and make her a better person to like you know and like keep her on as the final girl and then just kill her. Hundreds and hundreds of times. Well, not really. They how many times? No, that's, did she the one thing, that's the one thing. That's the one thing that I think they did really well was like, cause in uh, 
Groundhog Day, um, there's this constant argument for like how long, how long he was stuck in the time loop because yeah. he faces no consequences for the things that are going on. Where this movie does the opposite, where she can only die like uh, I think it's like it's less than a dozen times um, yeah. because every time she's coming back with a version of the wounds that should have killed her previously. Yeah. So yeah. basically her body's breaking down the more time she goes through the loop. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like she dies like a full on 11 times in yeah. total. I think and, so. And, yeah. And like, yeah, like, you know, she 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 comes off worse for wear every time and all that shit. And like, yeah, I, I think that's great. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah, I, I do recall like to this day, that's still a debate, like just how long um bill murray's character was in the the loop for um i think it's like he's been in there like what thousands of years yeah i've heard like <laughs> yeah I've, 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 I've heard it be as little as like 25 years i've heard it be as much as like five thousand years like i have yeah. no fucking idea <laughs> yeah that's crazy you know what I'm saying? so i like that there is like essentially a timeline per se where it's just like we know exactly how long she's we could count she's been in the loop um Due to the fact, like you know, counting how many times she dies, uh, I mean, like, like, uh, like even to this day, like you could say you could argue the same thing about, um, uh, uh, damn, I don't even because they they retitled it uh, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh Tom yeah. <laughs> well, they never really retitled it. They just like they just kind of like uh, emphasized the tagline over the title when they re- like when they released it um, yeah. on Blu-ray. Yeah, like, uh, or like I remember, like, because it was originally made under like the title of the original manga is based on is all you need is kill, mm-hmm. and uh, they changed it to Edge of Tomorrow, and I guess they felt that that would hurt its chances at the box office because like it did okay but not well, so it's just like yeah, like they 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 heavily imply that it's now live die repeat, um, which is like. That, that that doesn't make it better. Uh, you should have just left it at the edge of tomorrow, and and it's fine. But like, I yeah, think they know. have at this point. I mean, I feel like because whenever time I've heard about the studio wanting a sequel, it's always like the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. So I feel yeah. like that's the whole thing. Is I feel like they kind of like as time has gone on, they've kind of re-emphasized the title over the tagline. Yeah, and and even with that movie, it's kind of debate just how long he's stuck in his loop. Um, because like, like I think like it, it comes a point where they even skipping over loops. Like, yeah, he's been doing this a while. Whereas Tree, like, we know exactly the number of times, like, she's been, like, you know, through the loop. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's, it's a clever way to do it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, to, to, to go about a slasher movie and shit with, like, um, I mean, where you have all the characters who get killed and shit, but, like, you know, you're killing the same girl multiple, multiple, multiple times until she learns to be a better person. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's great. You know, saying like, yeah, it's 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 like you said, like it's like a zany comedy, and it is for the most part, but it does know how like to take itself seriously too, and I appreciate that. You know that they went that route. You know, I'm saying it's just like, yeah, it was just like you know, like I said, it felt like for me it had been a while since I seen like a slasher movie like, you know, do like its elements that well that it's blending of horror and comedy because you know sometimes you know with slashers it's like, like especially after Scream is like. Like they don't know like how thoroughly to go with the slasher elements and then the, the comedy elements, and to me this one found the right balance where it's yeah. just like when it's funny it's really funny and then like you know when the slasher stuff kicks in, like it takes it seriously. I mean, I mean it's not particularly scary, but like you know th- there there is a fair level of tension. You know what I'm saying? I mean 
I don't know how much because you know she's if she dies, she's just gonna you know respawn. Well, until the like till the end, like, yeah. when she figures out that she only has like so many chances left. Yeah, yeah, and then like you know, then you effectively put like you know like a um, a ticking clock on it. You know what I'm saying? Because she can't sustain this longer enough. So it's like I have to find this killer and I have to stop him so I can escape this loop. You know, and uh, it. I mean, we won't go into it because uh, we definitely want to talk about the sequel later. We, we we definitely have a pairing about that, but I like how there there are elements in it that at least open to us. It. It's like it doesn't tell you exactly why she's stuck in the loop, but there is instances where it's just like things happen, and it's like why is that happening that they never explain? And it's like oh because they left it open to be explained in the sequel. You know what I'm saying? I still love like um like I said I don't want to get into Happy Death Day to you, but I still love what you said when you saw it with friends and they were explaining the <laughs> yeah. plot and they're like and you like you had gotten up to like i guess go to the bathroom or like go to the concession stand and your friends are like hey you're gonna miss it and i was like oh i already know what the fuck you know what I'm saying? yeah like, well the thing is funny is like because actually like cause the the thing that i said which actually i didn't really even realize the irony of it until like i like like saw like this credited writer again was because in the second one uh i said we're not gonna get into it but like um, it's basically has to do with like the science of the time travel. Like, they basically kind of break down the science of the time travel. And I was like, my exact words were, cause I never get up during movies. Like, there's actually one time where I saw atomic blonde. I had to pee literally from the second that the movie started. Like I did not have to pee in the trailers. I had to pee the second the movie started, but I refused to get up. So I just sat there in torture for like two hours, even though I liked the movie. Um, because I would not get up. Um, in Happy Death Day to you, I got up and my friends were like, what, what the fuck? And I was like, I've been reading comic books my entire life. I know exactly what the fuck they're going to say. Like, it's, it's totally fine. And then yeah. like, um, when I was rewatching this and I saw the credited writer on it, it's Scott Lobdell, who was one of the most famous X-Men writers, especially from when I was a kid. So I was like, that makes sense. <laughs> like, <it was> like, <laughs> <laughs> that all ties together. <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes sense. You know, stuff. But like, yeah, like now. Like I said, like this, this, this was like an, an absolute joy of a movie for me, and like, and I, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? Particularly, uh, uh, so that, 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 like, like I was saying, like you know, when she appeared in the uh, the Boy Kills World trailer, I was just like, ah, you know. And then she showed up, and I was like, holy shit, it's Tree! <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, like, I feel like Jessica <laughs> Roth is like this weird thing where it's like, I mean, it's, it's not that weird because I guess it happens fairly often, but it's like if you do horror. Like the horror audience, especially, will like embrace a particular person, and like very like so. It's like if you do enough horror movies, you kind of become a god or a goddess uh, very mm. quickly. Um, like uh, perfect example is Jessica Roth, but like there's I mean God knows how many where it's like I mean it, I think on one hand it probably sucks for you as an actor to be like only able to kind of the, from this point forward you're basically going to be doing like this kind of thing because mm. that's what people want you to do. Yeah. Um, because even like another example is like Mia Goth, where it's like yeah. nobody gave a fuck who Mia Goth was until Pearl and X, and then it was like um, she ended up doing like Infinity Pool, which was like on the border of horror and everything, and now she's like kind of beloved by the horror community, um, and like everyone, like to the extent that people were like um, really very forgiving of what she may or may not have done on set of Maxine because yeah. people just want to love those actors um, because it's like they're just so invested in them. Mm -hmm. And Jessica Roth is like... But the thing is, all with Jessica Roth is I think that, like, she also has a quality where she can... really can, like, own, um, like, a movie. Because the movie really, like... Yes, there are other characters, 
but it's like it's very much centralized on her in a way that is very specific because like even like Groundhog Day, like um like Andy McDowell's character is like a major character. Yeah. Um like that's basically kind of like what Bill Murray's kind of working towards in the movie is kind of deserving her because like they kind of make her yeah. this very specific thing. And in the case of Happy Death Day, it really isn't about like the guy. Like the guy is an important character. Um, and like obviously like um her sorority sisters are important characters. Um, but in the end, it really is kind of a one-woman show for Jessica Roth. And the fact that she pulls it off as well as she does, like is, especially at the age that she because I mean, yeah, I mean she was obviously past college age um when she made it but the fact that she was like just able to at like in her 20s able to completely fucking own a movie um on that level and then to do it again and even like there's things like i remember like um this is a spoiler but it's for a show that is not great so i think it's okay um that she was the whole reason that i watched utopia on prime i don't even know it's still there they might have deleted it because who the fuck knows with the way that streaming services work now um but i watched that show purely because she was in it and they kill her in like the second or third episode and i was like and that's really gonna put a major damper in my enthusiasm going forward like at this point i'm just here for john cusack when he eventually like has something to do um but like because jessica roth while she was there was fucking great like she was definitely by far the best part of the show and it's like that's the thing with like i think everything that she's been in so far which is why kind of it's so weird to me that her career although i guess it's true of a lot of people that are coming out because another person i would compare her to is like samara weaving who i also don't think has like a big enough career based on like you know, the, the level of, like, kind of love she gets from the community, um, I mean, a film in general, but especially the horror community, um, where it's, like, it doesn't feel like they get enough credit for how good they are, but she, yeah. Jessica Roth, is, I was saying, like, there is not a lot of fucking people who could completely, own, like, the, the closest I can compare her performance to in this is, um, like, Emma Stone when she made Easy A, where it's, like, the way that she was able to completely own that shit. Like, there was not... Like, there was other characters, but she was the focal point, and if it not... If she had not been able to step up to the fucking plate, it really would not have worked. And the movie works beautifully because of her. Exact same deal in this case. Like, yeah. I feel like, yes, Christopher Landon is a great director, so the movie probably would have worked regardless. I don't know if it would have worked as well, and people would still be clamoring for a third one years later if it wasn't for how great she was and how much people want to see her. No, yeah, I agree. At the, and, and I'm glad you brought up Samara Weaving because it was the same thing for me when she was in a ready, ready or not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that same level of like star making performance. I think with Samara Weaving, it's just that like people go to cast her in movies and then they realize, Oh, this is not Margot Robbie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, but she's great. Use her. You can't get Margot Robbie. Samira Weaving's right there. And she's great. Well, she, they also bring very different qualities. Like I, they're both Australian. They both look very similar, but like you, when you get Samara Weaving, you get like a much more kind of like fun time performance yeah. and you get Margot Robbie, which is nothing against Margot Robbie. I, I'm in no way insulting Margot Robbie. I think Margot Robbie is amazing. But, um, but like she's much more of like a nuanced actress, yeah. whereas like Burger Robbie is like there there like Samara weaving is like you cast her for like genre stuff where she's gonna fucking knock out of the fucking park because she knows exactly what the fuck she's doing in those performances. So, so are you saying that uh, 
uh, uh, Samara Weaving could do Barbie, but like Margot Robbie can't do uh, Ready or Not. No, because I, I don't think Samara Weaving could do Barbie. I don't think that's an insult to her. But like um, that movie is much more than they like. Like you wouldn't think the Barbie movie. That's, that's why like when I first said they were doing a Barbie movie, I'm like, who gives a fuck? And then it was like, it's Greta Gerwig. And I'm like, God damn it. And like, it's like, I guess I give a fuck. And then like, when like they actually saw it, I was like, Margot Robbie is outstanding in that fucking role. And that role is not super simple. Like she's doing like broad comedy, but she's also expected to go to very deep places. And she does that just as well. So it's like, whereas Samara Weaving, I've so far, like I've seen her do like really great work but nothing where i've been like seeing her at those depths that like i saw mark robbie hit yeah. in that but no i feel that and, and of course samara weaving is uh uh mr smith's niece you know what i'm saying <laughs> so it's like it's great it's great it's great but like yeah like jessica roth is like uh, <laughs> like you didn't say agent smith you said mr smith i should have just said smith. yeah i should have just said smith you know what i'm saying it's like you know so but he, but even then like you know it, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say that and shit because uh uh jonathan uh what's his name graf uh graf yeah like you know what i'm saying like he basically took that over yeah. uh and, and he was fantastic at, at smith and uh matrix resurrections although i i would have like to have seen Hugo weaving come back, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm about to turn this to a Matrix Resurrections, and you know, knowing um, both me and Patrick's love for that movie and shit, that's really going to become its whole thing. So I'm going or to we can just be on. like, oh, hey, listen to the Simba Drunkies episode of Matrix Resurrections, featuring me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> me, me, me and Patrick, as well as uh, uh, Mac and Erica, did a whole ass great episode on uh matrix resurrection so listen to that if you want to see our true feelings but you know i was like i could talk about that again and again and again and again and have no problem with it so it's fine (laughs) well yeah um i mean uh there's other uh really great performers in here as well like i was thinking of uh like i said uh sweet boy carter um israel broussard that this thank you because I was I was about to sit here and and try to, like I got Israel but the, that last name was going to give me trouble like nobody's <laughs> <best. laughs> like I, so thankfully I have Patrick to, to to save the day with how to pronounce his last name properly but like he he's such a like he's one of those like like sweet sweet boys you love to see in horror movies like the ones that you're the most afraid of because like he's such a sweet sweet boy a sweet character that it's just like oh he's gonna die isn't he. And I mean, well, he does. I does he does die? <laughs> but but you know, I, I love that moment too because like she's about to stop, well, like who she thinks is the killer in tombs, but she realized he's he's already killed Carter, and like she kills him. And and what's fucked up is that uh, um, it would have been fine because he wasn't the killer anyway, so killing him wouldn't have stopped the loop. But like she realizes, oh shit, you know Carter's gonna remain dead, so I'm going to die again. So I could save Carter and like you know stop the loop and shit and it's just like like you know that nice little foothold is like she's really changed as a person because she's thinking about somebody other than herself because really she's just trying to stop the killer to get out of the loop for herself but then you know oh shit I'm going to lose Carter forever and I like him and I love the way she says like 
I was like, oh, like yeah, like you know, the uh, I'm gonna have all his babies. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, like they asked me, like your boyfriend, like, like, nope, but if I make it to this day, I'm gonna have his babies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and so like, yeah, I, it's, it's, he's one of those like, 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 uh, male characters in movies is just like, and it's because like, you you do have like sweet dudes in in slasher movies. But it's just like, you know, they kind of like stereotypical, like Chad and shit, or just like a nice guy, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it doesn't really care. Like, if he gets murdered in the movie, it's like, it's fine. Like, who gives a shit? He's kind of like a like a Nick from Friday the 13th Part 7. I was going to say, actually, that was the example I was going to use. I was just like, like the guy in Friday the 13th, I don't remember their names, but I was the guy in Friday the 13th. I Part do. 7. I know you do. <laughs> like, but I like, remember Jason Voorhees. <laughs> that is the extent of what I remember. Right, 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 right. Um... But like yeah, like he he's one of like the like one of the few male characters where it's just like no, nah, he's great. So I actually don't want to see him die. You know what I'm saying? Because like he's a, he's such a sweet dude. Like from like the first time we meet him, like when he when uh, she wakes up in his dorm on his bed, and then it's like oh like you know she's like she's like oh did we? And he's like no, nah, you know we, we didn't do anything. You know what I'm saying? Like you passed out and I brought you here so you could sleep. You know what I'm saying? And it's like oh he's he's a sweet boy and like you know like. Uh, um, I also like uh noticed that you know saying like obviously the uh the the idea behind this movie is like a scream meets groundhog day, but there's also an element of fifty first dates in it, okay, yeah, like yeah, when it was just like every time she goes through the loop, she has to explain to him like you know what her situation is, and then like you know, and then like he decides to help her. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> like, the, 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 doesn't he ask her if she's seen Groundhog Day? She's like, yeah, what's that? The end. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also like, he, pr- says, he says, it's like Groundhog Day. And she's like, what? Like, what's that? And he's like, you never seen Groundhog Day? Bill Murray? <laughs> and she's like, and then, did he ask her if she also seen Back to the Future? And she's just like, what? Um, <laughs> and he's just like, oh, God. Um, but like, yeah, like, he, he's such, like, he's such a sweet, sweet boy. Like, that's what I'm just going to keep referring to him as. Carter, sweet, sweet boy, sweet, sweet man, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, you know, he tries to help her, and like, you know, and they, like, well, I mean, I can't even say they fall in love, because obviously, like, he, he likes her, but, like, he obviously understands he's not in her league, but, like, as the movie goes, she starts falling for him, you know what I'm saying, to the point where, like, you know, she's like, oh, I, I gotta save him. Well, I'm okay. Not in her league because the movie tells you that. It's not like he's like not one of the most handsome boys you've like seen. Like it's like it's like that movie thing of like fucking like she's all that, where it's just like, ah yes, the ugly girl. Rachel Lee Cook. Like <laughs> one of the most beautiful women you've ever seen. Throw her fucking hair in a ponytail and throw some glasses on her. It's like, oh my god, I have no idea. This woman is the most attractive woman that's ever existed. Yeah, I have I, no idea. <laughs> I, I like I actually don't like that cliche of movies. Where like this, this obviously attractive person is considered the ugly one. Um, like that, that's actually one of my favorite jokes in a not another teen movie, where like you know like which is spoofing she's all that and like they go into like the bed like oh like you can take any girl turn it into prom queen, and like Chris Evans is suggesting like you know like uh like these these two um what was it uh oh what about her oh like uh oh so so baby's got a little back hunch that is she could still be prom queen. <laughs> 
And said, what about her? And it's an albino hippie. Sure, she's an albino hippie. I have no pigment. He said, what about the, about the Fratelli sisters, which are Siamese twins who are connected at the head? He said, you know what I'm saying? Like, but they're two girls in one, so they could still be prom queen. And then, like, you know, they finally go, like, oh, Janie Briggs. It's, oh, no, not her. She's got glasses and a pigtail. <laughs> and she's got paint on her overalls. Can you believe that? And it's like, you know, like she's too fucking hideous. <laughs> Like he's been, like he's been people. He's been picking actually deformed people, but no, he stops at her. <laughs> so it's like, but like, yeah, it's like that is a cliche. Like I remember that being a complaint about uh, uh, Andrew Garfield Spider Man. Yeah. Uh, where it's just like to- uh, Toby Maguire, you can see like chicks not digging him because he's dweebish. You know what I'm saying? Like he's good looking, but he's dweebish, and like he portrays that well. But, like, Andrew Garfield, like, you know, he's that one of those fucking hot loner. The way they portray Peter Parker in there is, like, he's a fucking hot skater loner that w- the girls just go crazy for. I don't believe for a second that girls don't like him. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to tell you from personal experience that hot skater loner girls do not go crazy for because I have plenty of anecdotal evidence from my time in high school (laughs) (laughs) that there was no Gwen Stacy there for me. I'm just going to tell you that right now, Rob. (laughs) <laughs> understand it, I understand it. My apologies for bringing up a like a uh, uh, trauma, <laughs> you know, from your from your past life. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's just like, yeah, you know, he he he's the character. Like, I mean, it's it, it's obvious. Like, she's going for like a like a Chad, yes. like in in a sense. Well, of, I like, mean, that's the I I think about this movie is that I think it's interesting is like uh, it kind of has all of the basic um, kind of um, stock characters in yes. um, slash movies, but it like twists it in such a way that like, you don't notice it. Cause like um, the guy that she went on the date with initially um, who turned out to be gay yeah. um, is very much like your standard issue, like jockish guy in a slasher movie. Yeah. And then they show that he has more depth than that. And, like, in the case of, like, Israel Broussard's character is, like, it's your standard issue, like, kind of, like, the nice guy. Mm. But it's, like, it's just twisted enough that it's, like, it's kind of, like, it's almost, like, scraping off kind of that veneer. And then, like, you have, in the case of, like, um, like, her sorority sisters, it's, like, very much, like, it's funny because, like, on, in, like, another movie, it seems like, I mean, granted, obviously, massive spoiler, but... Um, when it turns out that her roommate is the killer. Yeah. Um, but like in another movie, like that seems like she would be the, the final girl and Tree would not be. Like Tree would be one of the mean girls. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. So it's like you take all of the, it's it's all the standard issue stock characters in slash movies. It's just they're all twisted in such a way where you're like, you believe them being something that fits into a different mold. Like it's like, yeah. which it's, 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 it's rare. Like it's because usually like things are very specific. Um, and that's why I, I really appreciate what kind of like Christopher Landon has been doing uh, in general. It's why I'm bummed that like he uh, didn't get to make his scream yeah. is because like um, he between like this and the sequel and freaky and stuff, he does a really good job of kind of taking stuff and like taking the slashing movie and by whatever fucking means necessary, dragging it into the new century and like but making it seem effortless and that's why i was just like i think he get, get, needs a lot of credit because like even the characters that are awful in this 
like you still enjoy. Like yeah. it's like, and that's, I think it's all credit to. I mean, yes, it's credit to their performances, but it's all credit to him as a director because it's like every character is treated with some degree of care. Like he knows what he's doing with everybody. That's like nobody is in there without good reason. No, yeah, it's 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 one of those things. It's like you there there have been films that, that you've talked about before slash movies where it's just like you know, this is a slash movie I, I watch where I don't want anybody to die and like there, there have been times where uh, I've disagreed with you on that it was like oh no th- that motherfucker definitely deserved to die and this bitch definitely deserves to die but I, I think this is where like one where I would agree with you was like the, 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 like even the the terrible people like you know the the, the head sorority sister it's like She's like, yeah, she's a terrible person, like in in the film, but it's just like she's still likable enough. Where it's like, I don't want to see her die either. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, even though like, she, like the only time she actually dies in the movies when they get run over the bus, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, uh, uh, and, and like you know her her um her uh, sister fucking uh, roommate. Yeah. Uh, in the sorority, who um, we should note is uh, Ruby Modine, mm-hmm. the uh, daughter of uh, Matthew Modine. I did not um, know that. That does make I, sense now. Now that I'm yeah. looking at her, I'm like, holy shit, yeah, she does yeah, look yeah. Matthew Modine. <laughs> like, no, like, the same thing happened to me. It was like, when I found out, I was like, oh, 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 that's cool. And then now I watched the movie and it's like, oh, yeah, I should have known. She looks just like him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she, she really, like, you know what I'm saying? This is like, it's like, you could definitely do like a full metal jacket reference with that. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, 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 private choker. You could come over to my sorority house and fuck my sorority sister anytime. <laughs> weird. Weird weird thing to say about his daughter. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like her, like referring to her and shit because, oh. and, and that tree at the start of the movie was a horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Like you could come over and fuck tree anytime. She will. <laughs> like she's clearly fucking her professor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like who's kind of uh, the only actual awful person in the movie? Like yeah. it's funny. Like everybody below the age of like I feel like 22 is kind of treated with like care. Yeah. Um. And like uh, everybody above is treated like not. <laughs> and honestly, I mean it's probably for the better because it's like yeah. Because I would say it's like the professor. And um, the killer are like the main ones that are not. Um, but it's funny how like, uh, do, do you know about the original ending? Have you seen the original ending of uh, this movie? Yeah. No. There's an alternate ending where um, basically after the, the everything happens, um, like the professor's wife like kills her. Um, oh, okay. And it's like I was like I'm really glad they didn't go with that because like yeah. that's not like that would have been a, like I'm not saying. Like a dick kick ending is bad necessarily because like upgrade has a dick kick ending and it's great. Yeah. But like in this case, I was like I would have felt really really bad if that's how they decided to end it because the movie's really not that mean spirited. No. Like yeah. and so it's like that would have been a really mean spirited ending in that respect. Um. But yeah, like the the professor is like the most shitty character in the entire movie because like yeah. he's very clearly not only fucking tree but like um. Definitely something is going on with Tree's roommate as well. So it's like Yeah, that's why she wants to the, yeah, yeah. that's why she wants to kill her. Yeah. Uh, because she wants him all to herself. And like, you know, he prefers Tree. So like with Tree out of the way, like, you know, like obviously, you know what I'm saying? Or oh, he has his me, but he, like he's clearly just gonna go on to somebody else. Like he doesn't yeah. give a shit. But it's like, yeah, it's like 
he he really is like the only character that's dislikable in the film. Well, you know and the killer, and like the, the like, well, not the I would say, I, I don't actually, okay, not the killer, killer, like not not trees, killer, uh, the killer that's locked up in the hospital. Yeah. Is what I'm referring to. <laughs> yeah, Adam Cole's brother. Um, Fuck you. <laughs> he does. Like yeah, like I rewatched this and I was just like, he, he kind of looks like Adam Cole. No, like Adam Cole is obscenely handsome, and that man looks like, and no offense to him, I'm sure he's a very nice person, um, looks like every weird hillbilly I've ever met in my entire life. So, <laughs> like, that is not, that is not a fair comparison. No, I'm just saying, like, he could, he could be, like, the evil brother, like, like, uh, uh, Bart's evil twin, or, in a sense, good twin, uh, in the, the, the Treehouse of Horror episode. <laughs> no pun intended. Treehouse. <laughs> but it's like, like, he's, 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 uh, Adam Cole's, he's like, and it's funny, too, because Adam Cole's the devil. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no, the, the John Toombs is, like, John Cole, Adam Cole's evil twin. Like, you know, he's the real devil. Also, he's clearly way older than Adam Cole. Like, that man is at least in his 40s, if not his 50s. Like, Adam Cole is, like, in his, like, 30s. So, like, there's a wild disparity in age <laughs> for those twin brothers. Like, like I said, they should they should cast uh, Adam Cole in the uh, Happy Death Day 3. What, was, what were they going to call it? Happy Death Day to me, but with the E being a 3? Um, I don't know. I know that they've been wanting to do it for a long time. Yeah. Like, basically, because like, the whole thing was, yeah, like, the, the first one did better than they expected. The second one did worse than they expected. But they clearly left it open for a third one, and so people have been clamoring for it for years. And because Jason Blum is Jason Blum, and he can afford to occasionally make movies that, like, because he makes enough things to make a shitload of money. Yeah. And when he seems to want to make something that's like he knows is going to probably fail, he's just like, eh, fuck it. Um, yeah. Like every so often. So I think it seems like it's finally coming to fruition. Like, I, yeah, I think it works because, like, you know, because he's, he spends the amount that he does on particular movies. Like he, he has a, a budget limit that he won't go over that the universe was like, ah, fine. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not losing that much money. Like the only, I think the only time they ever like lost a shitload of money was on that. Uh, uh, what was it? The gem uh, movie that they did? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, and I was just—I remember being real excited when they announced that, that they were doing a, like a gem and a holograms movie, because because I, I actually like you know surprisingly I I, I like that cartoon as, as a kid. It, like my sister watched it, and I would watch it with her because I liked it. Um, and it's just like I remember I got teased for it. It's like, oh, you watch Gem? It's like <laughs> it, it's a good cartoon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's like, you know, and like, obviously I had to relinquish the, the control of the television to her, you know what I'm saying? Like, stop watching Thundercats and, and Cyber Cops, or, or as Cops as I remember it, you know what I'm saying? Um, and it's just like, oh, she she wants to watch My Little Pony, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> uh, but like, she watched Gem, and I'll watch it with her, you know what I'm saying? And, it's, and like, yeah, like, Blumhouse, it was a Blumhouse production, it was directed by John Chu, and like, and then I saw the trailer, and I was like, Oh no! <laughs> like yeah, and I think they made it for like five million dollars, and they made like barely one million at the box office. Like it was a massive failure. Yes, because people were really clamoring for a gem movie. Like, I, like no, like I remember, I re I remember, uh, I found out about it because uh, I, I went to the Alamo, and uh, the 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 workers there had just received the posters to put up. And like one of them showed me, it's like, oh, like I'm excited for this. And she's like, oh shit, they made a gem movie. He's like, oh yeah, I'm really excited. And like, so I was like, yeah, they're gonna make a gem movie. And I, I think uh, there were people excited for it until the trailer came out. And then you went, oh, it's gonna be this. Never, <laughs> never mind. And like, yeah, it just massively, it was a massive failure. Although from what I heard, um, 
John Chu kind of got fucked on that movie and shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like it, it's not his fault. Um, it's just from what I heard and shit. And I, I, I I'm just like eh, whatever. It looked like it sucked. Um, so I'm not even gonna bother. Uh, but like, yeah, he, you know, what I'm saying, like, like, like you say, he could afford to, like, you know, because like we're not losing that much money, like, like even when movies, like, like the movies he puts out, like through Universal, don't make a lot. They still make like re- recover their cost because he yeah. made it for like five million dollars. So even if it made like nine million dollars at the box office, would be considered a failure. This is like it still, you know, made its money back and with a slight profit. Like I'm, I'm looking at you, Incarnate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's when Aaron Eckhart started making his claim to like doing like, uh, like, like being a badass action hero in movies, which was a weird choice to make that step out on. You know what I'm saying? Incarnate, which is basically like Insidious, but like for like the Taken set. Um, I mean, I think the first one was fucking I Frankenstein, and Jesus Christ, that fucking movie. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Like that, that, that kind of like you know, like. Uh, he he had a, uh, and I'm not saying this as as a derogatory thing about uh, um, Aaron Eckhart because I really like Aaron Eckhart. I just seen uh, one of his most recent films, Muzzle, which is like uh, like canine, but like the more serious version of it. <laughs> oh, like the more serious version of Turner and Hooch without the bummer ending. Um, and it's great. Like you like what's funny too is like it's marketed as like kind of like almost like the way a buddy cop movie would be where it's just like uh this cop's partner got killed so he teams up with another cop and they track down the murder of his former partner but his uh his former partner was a was a dog and then like he gets another dog as a partner and then like they start trying to like find the killer of his previous partner the dog like like the, the, I, I will warn you though, like it's it's a really good movie and I enjoyed it. Aaron Eckhart's great in it, but like it, and like I said, it doesn't have a bummer ending, but there are bummer moments in it, especially if you're a dog lover. Well, that just reminds me of like the thing of uh, I can't remember who it was that said it, but they were talk- talking about Kadon versus Turner and Hooch. But they were like, America so hated Jim Belushi that they would they <laughs> that in Canine the dog does not die, and Turner and Hooch the dog does die, and they would rather have the movie. <laughs> Where the dog dies in the movie featuring Jim Belushi. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, and I, I, I like, and then the funny thing is that, uh, like Tom Hanks says to this day, it was like, yeah, killing the dog was a mistake. Like, <laughs> you think <laughs> that movie? Like, I remember, like, we would talk about like fucking like deaths that, uh, that there was a prompt of, like oh, a death that has stayed with you ever since you've seen the movie. And I put other things, and I was like, I should have put Turner and Hooch. I would have, <laughs> I would have fucked everyone up. You know what I'm saying? And like people talk about like Marley and me, and it's like, have you seen Turner and Hooch? I was <laughs> fucked up. You know like, well, like, I, I, like, not, not to spoil it, Muzzle doesn't go that far, and, like, and, and it's a really great movie with a really great uh, uh, Aaron Eckhart performance. It was like, um, yeah, like, but. Like like I said, Blum produced uh, Incarnate, and I think it only cost five million, and it only made nine. Uh, so, so I guess you consider it a success, but like it, like its numbers were paltry. So well, also I think he just makes enough stuff where it's like it's so like the stuff that he that hits hits hard. So it's like um, like and they don't cost anything. Like the whole thing, the, the entire Purge franchise is yeah. like that's why I think he keeps trying to bring it back. Remember when I was at um, Comic Con last year? I was at the Jason Blum panel. And um, he was like, I basically asking the audience, he's like, he's like, does anyone besides me miss the purge? Like, I'm thinking about bringing it back. And I was like, 
bro, it's been gone for a fucking year. Like, chill the fuck out. Like, Christ. Like, but it's like, I also get it because, like, those movies cost fucking nothing to make and then they make a shitload of money. So, therefore, that can bankroll a shitload of other movies that he wants to do. And so, therefore, he can afford to kind of do things there, like, here and there where it's like, Everything's that was supposed to be big. Like I mean, like Megan was supposed to be big. It just fucking blew up like instantly, yeah. and it became a whole thing. But it wasn't like that was a plan that he was going. It was like I think he just basically is just like anything that sounds interesting. He's like fuck it, I'll give you a little bit of money. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And then like it hits really hard. So like, and now we're gonna milk this franchise for all it's fucking worth. That's why like the whole thing is. I remember like um I was talking to Zoe about like when Fantasy Freddy's came out, and I was just like, it's like yeah, so like they're definitely doing a sequel. She's like, no, they're not. I was like. There is nothing Jason Blum loves in this world more than sequels. Like it's like I, I think I think Jason Blum loves sequels more than he loves anyone in his own family. Right. It's like it's like oh hey I can make more money off of this thing and not changing it that much. So yeah, let's just keep doing this until the fucking wheels fall off. Like this is a gravy train with biscuit wheels, motherfucker. Let's like let's go. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing with the purge. Uh... I, I I I'm not too certain because I don't follow him. But is he like liberal, uh, yeah. Jason Blum? Yeah. Then I, so. I I can see why he likes making the, the the purge like movies and shit because it's mocking like conservative. Well, it is, and... but it's also the most fucking blatantly like I, I love when people are like are like oh I figured out the subtext in the purge and I was like there is no subtext in the purge. It is the most <laughs> obvious fucking text that you. It's like they do not even. This is the like. To call that thinly veiled is an insult to veils. Like, is it, <laughs> like it's like it's very, very clear what that movie is trying to say. That entire series is trying to say. No, you know what that reminds me of? You, you, you remember the Condemned with Stone Cold yes. Steve Austin? Remember when, like, you know, like that, like that's obviously the point of the movie about, like, you know, like oh, like you know, the people watching like these these criminals fight to the death and shit, and then like they have that newscaster at the end go on the whole soliloquy, but are we the Condemned? And then, like no fucking shit, you've been saying the whole movie, and now you're gonna spell it out for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are real smart here. You know what I'm saying, um, but um, the thing is, I I'm surprised that it, he's been having trouble getting the third one off the ground because, like, yeah, part two didn't make as much as this did, but it still made half. Like the well, the, the I think like the thing was I don't think he even tried that hard. I think it basically just like he just like I also think the thing I will say that for him is I think he's smart enough to kind of let things gain momentum, okay. um, because that was the whole thing is like I think when the second one first came out, like nobody like it wasn't like nobody cared, but it wasn't like what it is now, where it's like right. this isn't we're now like a few years later, and that's why people are clamoring for it because more people saw it as time has gone on and more and more people keep watching it and it keeps getting kind of like, it keeps snowballing. And so by the time that he wants to make a third one and like, it's, it's very easy to be like, Oh, Hey, like, look at what, like, it's like, let's say tomorrow he posts like, Hey, you guys want happy death day three. I guarantee that'll blow the fuck up. And he can very easily present that and be like, clearly there's a demand. Now, whether that demand will actually equate to dollars, who the fuck knows, but like, People will see the movie. Like, shitloads of people will see the movie. No. So it's like, I mean, that's the whole thing with this one. Is I feel like he's smart enough to kind of, like, he like when they, when they first dropped it, it was like, it wasn't as successful as the first one, so it was seen as a failure. But since over time, it is still kind of 
held on in yeah. the, the in kind of the not just the pop cultural consciousness, but definitely in the horror consciousness. Um, I feel like it's it's like it's just kind of built momentum. So by the time they actually do it, it's very possible that it does well. Um, but like as I said, even if it doesn't, I don't think he'll really give them much of a shit to be like, okay, that was we did it. We did three. That was we were we talking about doing in the first place. So like, who cares? No, yeah. So like, uh, yeah. No, no. What, what I think it is, and this is good going back to uh, funny enough, uh, our phantasm conversation. <laughs> considering what you know say what our, our our next subject is a topic of discussion is but i, I think what w- what happened with uh happy death day to you is that it's more uh sci-fi comedy than it is slasher and i, I think it's become like readily apparent with the horror fandom is that not a lot of them are too big on sci-fi horror but like sci-fi thrown in with their horror whereas obviously you know there, there's considerable element here with the time loop um it's not really that explained like they don't really go into that and says so like oh like you, you're stuck in the time loop but like it plays out much more like a slasher movie and in happy death day to you they kind of get away from that and people were just like kind of turned off by that because like oh this is too much sci-fi you know so you got you got your sci-fi in my slasher movies kind of like fucking uh, reese's peanut butter um you know what i'm saying like as like but like I said, like it, it, it did well, but just not as well. You know yes. what I'm saying? And I think that was like a, a part of it. That's why it was a turnoff. Where it was just like it's too sci-fi. Like, like uh, I remember a friend of mine who saw it was like, yeah, I wasn't, you know, I saw it and I wasn't feeling it. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, you know, it wasn't really scary. And I'm like, the first one wasn't really scary, but like, you know, I get it. Um, like, yeah, it was more, it was more like like sci-fi stuff. And it's like that's the, that's the same uh, person that. Uh, argue with me over whether alien is a horror movie or a sci-fi movie you know what i'm saying i'm just like whatever um like i i, I thought it was fine entertainment you know what i'm saying but like like i said we'll, we'll, we'll get to happy day to you when we, you know what i'm saying when we get there but um i i i would love a part three you know what i'm saying like i also know that uh remember he made that post uh online about he took the picture with uh him, uh, Jessica Roth, and uh, Catherine Newman. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Like about whether doing a crossover between uh, Freaky. Which and I have no idea how that works, but I would totally see it. I just don't oh. know how the fuck you make that work because, like, um, the vibe is very similar. Because obviously, because Christopher uh, Landon made both. Yeah. Uh, but like, and it's like the tone is very similar. Um, but in terms of like the way that they're actually doing it, it's very different. Because like. Um, like they're both like comedy horror, but like um, as you said, like there's kind of a like a there's a leaning towards uh, sci-fi in the Happy Death Day uh, yeah. franchise, and then there's like there's really no lean um, to whatsoever to Freaky. It's very much steeped in horror comedy. Yeah. Um, so it's like I guess the only like sci-fi element I guess is like the body switch element of it. But even that, mm. I'm like that's really that's a reach. <laughs> like. Yeah, I, I didn't even look at sci-fi at all. It's just more like supernatural mysticism yeah. kind of thing, you know what I'm saying? But uh, th- that that would be something to see. Like, like it don't even really have to be like you know a crossover. Just Jessica Roth and Catherine Newman in a movie together, directed by you know Christopher Landon, produced by uh, James Blunt, like hopefully written by uh, Michael Kennedy. Yes. Um, that 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 to me is a match made in heaven. You know what I'm saying like all, all of them together, like you know, just doing like you know something wild, like uh, and, and crazy. You know what I'm saying, like 
whether it be like a sequel to the Happy Death Day, whether it be a sequel to Freaky, whether it be like a crossover between the two, or whether it just be an original thing. Uh, I, I'm I'm happy to see more from any of those people. You know what I'm saying? Because like the, like particularly this and like Freaky, and we'll definitely get to Freaky, but um, yeah, like just just glorious glorious entertainment, and I'm just welcome to like whatever they got you know coming next. No, yeah, but that's my only thing is like I. Um, honestly, the only thing that I have with it is when I wa- I saw a thing recently because um, Jessica Rothfuss started working with the horror conventions, and I was just like, um, I'm not saying that she's old. I she's not old, but like she's definitely like not. I I mean I don't know. I guess we can see with like makeup and whatever. But I was like, at a certain point, somebody stops being believable as a college student. Um, we have reached that point. Um, again, it's not like an insult. Like, she looks great. She's beautiful. Um, but it's like, she definitely looks like a full, full grown adult now. So I'm like, I don't necessarily know how the fuck that would work. Um, but I mean, I guess also you can just explain, could be, this is we're dealing with time loops. I guess you could also deal with time jumps. Um, but yeah, no, like, so it's like, I, I definitely would take more. Cause like, I, I still think, as I said, like from the jump, like from the day that I saw it, I was really fucking impressed. Cause it was just like, it's. It kind of also, I think it's also interesting about the movie, in addition to kind of subverting um, kind of the general tropes of slash movies, it also kind of um, does something interesting that I don't think enough people will talk about, is that it also solves kind of a problem where um, you can have um, a shitload of kill scenes but not have a high body count, (laughs) which is like something you don't get often. And it actually, in this case, especially, I think it works really well because that way you never really lose any of the characters, which is a problem in certain slash movies. Because in slash movies, that's the, kind of the problem is like, if you really like a character and that character is killed off, then that you don't get a character in the rest of the movie or any future movies. Right. Whereas in this case, it solves that problem where it's like, because the only person dying is Tree and because Tree keeps coming back, like you don't have that issue of you losing characters and it's like it fixes a very specific character kind of issue in slash movies. I don't think it's enough credit for that. And I honestly think, uh, as much as I know Lobdell, Scott Lobdell is the credited writer, um, I know that Chris Landon, especially considering he was a writer, like he, like he came into this as a writer, yeah. um, I definitely know he had a fucking hand in this script. Like I'm, I'm not stupid. I'm like I, I know he didn't get credited, but I'm sure he had a hand in it. I think he deserves a lot of fucking credit for that because it's yeah. like it solves a very specific problem in the best, most creative way. And that's the thing is like I think that's kind of the best thing about the movie in general is it's like it manages to take these kind of familiar elements and through just sheer creativity turn something completely unique into the final product, which I think why it sticks around and why people are like because I think like, the main thing with like the whole idea of like why having that day to you throughout the whole sci-fi element and why it kind of threw people off. I feel like the reason that's kind of been forgiven over time is because people, it's a kind of the same thing as like um, sequels in general or like TV or whatever. It's like, it's not necessarily at a certain point. It's like why you rewatch movies. Like I rewatch Days Confused every year because I love hanging out with those characters again. It's like getting, mm-hmm. it's, like a, it's like a high school reunion. So it's kind of the same thing in this case where it's like, the character of tree especially is so lovable that like you just keep wanting to revisit that character. And so therefore you can kind of keep doing it in perpetuity. And I think again, like that goes all the credit in the world to Jessica Roth, but also to Christopher Landon 
for like what they managed to do with this movie that really, as I said, walking in, I did not have a lot of fucking faith in and walked out being so gobsmacked that I was just like, whatever the fuck Chris Land wants to do from this point forward, I'm totally fucking into it. Absolutely. And we're back with our second feature, um, uh, one I'm excited about, but uh, Patrick not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, of course, the, the film is uh, Phantasm for Oblivion, or just Phantasm Oblivion, um, which, which I thought was, like, a, a clever title and shit because, you know, the I and the V appear in Oblivion. Well, apparently uh, there were supposed to be, like, some name that was gonna have like um like the ph i can't remember what the fuck it was like they were gonna call it i think it's like phantasm forever forever yeah. PH, yeah and they were like oh that that's that sounds terrible so yeah. then they did like oblivion which admittedly is true but like i was just like i'm still like i mean okay <laughs> but i don't necessarily think people care that much but okay that's fine no and like the, it it Phantasm Four took on various like forms. Yeah. Um. Like it, originally, it was supposed to be Phantasm Ends or Phantasm yeah, Ends. Yeah. Roger Avery. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, he he had written it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause cause he's a huge fan of the franchise to the point where, uh, Don Crossgurley has stated that uh, Roger Avery told him that the scene in Pulp Fiction where Butch is picking out which weapon to use to go back down into the, the cellar to rescue uh, Marcellus Wallace from uh, Zed and the Gimp <laughs> um, that uh, was inspired by the scene from Phantasm 2 when uh, uh, Mike and Reggie break into the hardware store and like, like you know, Reggie's choosing like which chainsaw to use and all that shit. He said that that was a uh, uh, Roger Avery told Don Coscarelli that that was inspiration uh, the, uh, to, to that scene of Pulp Fiction. Uh, Don, Cos Don Coscarelli doesn't know exactly how much he believes Roger Avery. <laughs> but, but I mean, I believe it. I mean, fucking Roger Avery was like fucking at it for a time, like best friends with Quentin Tarantino. And like Quentin Tarantino has made no secret out of like being like, Oh hey, there was this thing that I liked, so I put it in my thing. Like it's like so it's like that being also Roger Avery's purview doesn't surprise me. Although the will say with the Roger Avery thing, part of me is like I really would have liked to have seen whatever the fuck they were gonna do with the fourth one. Yeah. But then the, the other part of me remembers that like um, uh, um I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Um Roger Avery by himself um is okay. Like I think Killing Zoe is a cool movie. Um, and that's, that's, that's pretty much the end of that. Um, but, <laughs> um, and like, there was a period where he was writing with Neil Gaiman, like he did like, um, like the Beowulf movie and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, so it's like when he writes with other people, he's fine. But also it's like for a while he was like, basically like, it seemed like he was really, really bitter about the Tarantino situation. Yeah. And I was just like, um, not to be a dick, but time has kind of proven that you were definitely not the fucking talent in that situation like you were like a very helpful like uh friend like you you you're a very helpful and supportive friend but like the fact that he's basically trying to take credit for pulp fiction i'm like yeah 
time has proven that wasn't the true. So like, it, it, like it, it's kind of like, and like you know, uh, Roger Avery sounds like he's he's a swell fellow, you know, yeah. so to speak. You know what I'm saying? When he, uh, considering like you know uh, his past incident, which we won't get. I into. was gonna say, I almost <laughs> said that, and I was just like, um, no, that's fine. Yeah, I won't mention it. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it alone. Um. But like it almost seems like to, to to be clear, like it um it's like it's like almost like the the Ben Affleck Matt Damon situation where like after the Goodwill Hunting came out, you know what I'm saying, and Affleck was like doing his like string of stars like bounce and forces of nature like in in this movie and that movie, where everyone's like we're just convinced that he had nothing to do with the writing of it, and it was all Matt Damon. But then, like, when you see, like, fucking Ben Affleck, like, you know, his directorial... He reinvented work, himself, yeah. Yeah, they're like, yeah, maybe Affleck is, like, was, was the, you know, the creative force behind this after all. And it's just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I can't, uh, uh, I can't just hang around with Quentin, you know what I'm saying? Because he sucks energy for me, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, well, we see how you are by yourself. Um, I like Killing Zoe as well. But I've also seen Rules of Attraction. I was going to say something, but I decided <laughs> against it. Because, like, I don't hate Rules of Attraction. But it's like, oh, hey. So, like, this is not a good adaptation of Brett Easton Ellis. Um, for a guy who claims to really love Brett Easton Ellis. Um, okay. But, okay. This is a thing that happened um, to <laughs> me personally. Um, <laughs> who was very excited. <laughs> um, but, um, but, no. like this. Is, so, it's like, I would like to have seen... What his plans were were for the fourth fourth fantasy movie, um, but like the fact that we didn't get it doesn't like break my heart per se. Even though I right. still think it's the weirdest thing. This is a franchise in the first fucking place because like we discussed the original Phantasm, which I enjoy. But it, when I first watched it, I like I thought I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't fucking I just could not fuck. It was like impenetrable. Like I was like when I first watched it, I was like, what the fuck was that? And then it was like years later, I kind of figured it out. But it's like, um, then they, I remember like the whole thing is like Phantasm 2 basically came about um, because Universal was embarrassed um, at that point that they like, it was the, when horror was hitting its like, biggest boom period ever, and Universal had nothing in the pipe. So like they just started buying sequel rights to so, like Child's Play and Phantasm and shit. And um, I. I do like Phantasm 2. Like, we'll get to Phantasm 2. Um, but I was still like, I don't necessarily know like this was necessary. Like I feel like you just you could have just made your own thing that had nothing to do with it. And like apparently Don Crescarelli wanted nothing to do with what I was saying about this. And it was just <laughs> like, no, more Phantasm movies forever. And it was just like, so you, you end up with three, which actually I do enjoy. You do not, but that's fine. And then, like, this um, is a weird situation because um, I actually had never seen this until recently. Um, like, it was, like, a, it was a, the year they showed it on Joe Bob. Um, so I think that was 2018, 2019. Um, and um, there was, was one night, it was, like, their third marathon. Because they did the first marathon that broke Shutter, and then they did the, the Thanksgiving one, and then they did the Christmas one, which was the Phantasm one. And... Um, they didn't show two. Like, they said it was because of, like, oh, because there was a, a, a Chevy Cuda that was destroyed, and I can't support that. And I'm like, Joe Bob, we both know the reason it's not there is because of the fucking rights to get are sketchy as hell. Mm -hmm. um, let's not lie. Um, 
But like, um, it was weird how the how totally different the this one is. That it's all, I guess it's true all of them. They're all kind of different than the last. But yeah. this is the most fucking weird one. And even to the extent, even as somebody who has called the original fucking weird, like this one, I don't think it's like bad per se. The only one that I really really dislike is uh, five, just because like yeah, because it's just like it's just it's. Fuck that movie. Um, like, that's not me saying fuck that movie. That's me saying fuck, comma, that movie, dot, dot, dot. Um, but, because, um, like, that movie is just so fucking unnecessary. Like, there is just nothing in that that is just, I was like, if you left it on four, it would have been fine. Um, right. but, um, but four is this weird thing where he's like, well, two and three are too, like, mainstream. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the original. And I'm like, okay. And then I watched this, and I was just like, okay. Even the original is less fucking weird than this fucking movie. Like, I have never in my life done peyote. It's what I imagine doing peyote is like, is watching <laughs> this fucking movie. No, nah, yeah. It, it's definitely uh, uh, um, maybe a tad on the surreal side. Like it, it, it is, it is purely experimental. Like he was definitely getting into his David Lynch shit on this. Like even more so, like because we talked about that a bit. Like when we talked uh, the first Phantasm, that was like it's almost Lynchian, and like I hate that term, but it's like it's, it's the only one I could think of. And like the, the like and the funny thing is that uh, Roger Avery actually brought the, like uh, referenced that because uh, he did a fan commentary for Day of the Dead. And like he was talking about like the the, the plot point and how uh, uh, the the government keeps these zombies in like underground mining caves in order to experiment on them, and he said it's it's almost Coscarelli ish with its twisted dementia of perfect sense, um, and it's like yeah, that's that, that sounds about right, um, and like even like like two and three like still have their weird qualities even though it's just like they're more like literal. Um, like the the thing I'll say about Coscarelli is that uh, you're kind of wrong on it because uh, he clearly does not want to do Phantasm movies anymore. Um, like he 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 does them because that's what he can get financing for. Um, that man made Phantasm and then tried to move on so hard. Like he did Beastmaster. Uh, he 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 uh, was uh, going to do Cujo, but he was fired. Um, he was going to do Silver Bullet, but he was fired. He he did Survival Quest, and that sat on the shelf until Phantasm Two came out. You know what I'm saying? Because the Universal was like, "Hey, we want a Phantasm, another Phantasm movie." And he was like, "All right, fine, sure." And they gave him a big budget, so he did it. But then it's just like, "All right, that's it. I'm done. Like, let's let's move on." But it's like, "No, we want another one, kind of." You know what I'm saying? We'll give you less money and we'll give you a, a limited theatrical release before sending it straight to video. All right, fine, sure. And then, like, you know, he's trying to move on and it's like, no, like some studio comes up to him and is like, no, we want another, we have the rights to Phantasm and we want another one. And he's like, fuck, okay. And then, like, he makes four and, like, you know, he clearly leaves it. It was like, no, that's it. That's it. I'm done. And then, of course, he does Bubba Hotep and and John dies at the end. And somebody was like, "Hey, we want another Phantasm movie." He's like, "No, that's <laughs> it. I am done." 
somebody else wants to make it fine go ahead and then they made it and he was like well this sucks I'm, go- <laughs> I'm going to come in and try to fix this as much as i could because i don't need you fucking this up and like you know he did the best he could and it came out the way it did so it's fine um but it was it, it, like five is probably is the one that's just it's clear it's, it's the one he didn't have want nothing to do with um that really shows i mean oh i do like a lot of the ideas in ravager i just don't feel like they're executed well enough like like it looks like a, a web series which was exactly what it was intended to be oh that makes sense uh, okay yeah that makes sense it, it was supposed to be a web series just following reggie like his adventures in the wasteland and all that kind of thing almost like mad max i will um, say okay i have to say real quick um if you i don't know not even just based on the first one based on any of them how the fuck does fucking Reggie, like the face of any franchise, let alone the Phantasm franchise, like, how the fuck did that happen? Is a genuine point that I always like. You make it's like it's almost like like okay, like Ash. I get because Bruce Campbell is actually a better actor than he gets credit for being, and he's mm. very ha- he's traditionally Hollywood handsome. He just for whatever reason never broke into like regular mainstream Hollywood. He stayed in the fringes of B movies. But I understand Bruce Campbell horror icon. That makes sense. Fucking Reggie makes no goddamn <laughs> sense to me. Like they make him into like not only the badass of this franchise, but like the pussy hound of this franchise, and neither of which do I think really ring true. Like they work because I am willing to accept them because I'm like, "Oh, Reggie Bannister seems like a good fella. Like, um, but watching the movies, I'm like, I do not believe that this guy, if this was not in a script, would be anywhere in the same room as these women. Like, there is no way that I believe that this man who is not in the script, this, like, bald, ponytailed man, uh, which is such a weird choice when people make it, um, is the badass taking down evil interdimensional i guess uh yeah. aliens like what the fuck no <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, and i think it is like I, I i don't like what i like about reggie is that he, he it is kind of ash he is kind of like ash in nature in that he's not the most confident hero like like he he gets by in defeating like phantasm is, um, of the tall man and his minions kind of by luck because, like, he's not the most confident hero. Confident enough to, like, have sex with insanely beautiful women for no apparent no, reason. But, no, but the, that's the thing. Like, or at least like, chase, the, the, chase the women. <laughs> like, like, he, like he, he's more Pepe Le Pew than anything else. Where it's yes, just like, yeah, that's true. Like, 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 yeah, he, he, he's, he's hounding for the pussy and shit, but he doesn't necessarily always succeed. That's like, fair. like. Like he, like he, he fucks Kimmy, but like as we find out in Phantasm Two, Kimmy is actually a minion of Tomei, yeah. which makes sense, yeah. you know, with Reggie's luck. And then like he, he, he tries his best to fuck Rocky throughout the entirety of Phantasm Three, which he gets nowhere. Yeah. And, and then of course in here, um, he meets uh, the insanely hot Jennifer, played by Heidi Marhout. And um, that doesn't work out because she also turns out to be <laughs> a fucking tall man minion. So it's just like, like he—I he, mean—he's lucky enough to to, to get into woman, uh, a room with hot women. It's just it never works out for him. Um, like it's it's if they're not like a a, a ploy by the tall man to like to, to murder him, 
it's just a chick that wants nothing to do with him. <laughs> so, so it's like, okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> so it's like he's not as confident or as like you know, uh, like you know, sexy like badass hero as you proclaim. He's kind of just like, well, know, I'm just saying, like they definitely like they, it's like he's very much, but it's like they still kind of push him in that direction, and I'm just yeah. like, I don't understand. <laughs> like I was like, Ash, I understand. Like in his case, I don't understand. It's just like the whole thing of like, um, like I do understand like a Michael Baldwin because like even though he's not in two, um, he kind of nails uh, the whole weird little guy thing. That mm-hmm. even as he's aged considerably, um, he still has that same weird little guy vibe. Yeah. Um, so it's like in his case, it's fine. But it's like in Reggie's case, I will never understand it. And also, the thing is in this movie is like I'm still not entirely clear, um, like the Jody thing, because like the, the whole fucking thing of the first movie is um, it's kind of presented at the end where it's like none of this is real. This is all like whatever. And then uh, the tall man grabs him uh, through the mirror. It's like boy, and. Um, so you're like questioning whether or not it's real. Yeah. And then it's like this. And, like, and the problem is, as the series goes on, it's almost like a J.J. Abrams project where they're continually just asking more questions than giving answers. So I'm like, Jody is clearly aged considerably. But like, is he a force ghost? Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Did he never die in the first place? Like, I don't know what's happening. Nah, like, it, it, it's, it's that thing where... um. But like, 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 you know, same because oh, Jody died in the car wreck, but he admits he was taken by the tall man to like be one of his like the one of his minions, like in in the in a, the form of Jody. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily that it's Jody and shit, but like it's Jody's form. Because um, like, yeah, like you're absolutely correct and shit. Like when you think uh, Coscarelli's going to give you any answers, he just <laughs> gives you more questions to ask, especially in this movie. You know what I'm saying? Which actually, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, J.J. Abrams is a big Phantasm fan. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> right. Like, 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 it's funny enough that uh, he was also, uh, he spearheaded the uh, restoration, restoration of, yes. yeah, uh, of Phantasm. And, and he also named uh, Captain Phasma. Yeah. From, from, uh, based on, like, Phantasm. Because he looked at the design. It was like, it looks like a Phantasm ball. So, Captain Phasma. <laughs> like, that, that's how she became that. Um... But uh, no, what what happened was that, uh, and I'll I'll go more in depth to it, like when we definitely do get to Phantasm too. But like, um, uh, uh, Michael Baldwin did not return for that movie for reasons. Apparently, Uh, they like they they were like, you can have Michael Baldwin or Reggie Bannister pick one, and he picked Reggie Bannister. Yeah, (laughs) like yeah, which makes sense because because he wanted to keep within continuity. Um and like, and all in on reduced medicine. <laughs> right, like and Universal was like, fuck that. You can have one, but you can't have both. And he made the decision to to keep Reggie and replace a Michael Baldwin, which a Michael Baldwin is still bitter about. Yeah, no. Um which is why he has a limited appearance in three. Like he admitted, like, you know, because of what happened, you know, about, about the situation with Phantasm 2. Like, you know, like he still considers Costarelli a friend and like everybody else, he said, but like, you know. Um, it means nothing to him to like do these movies. He was like, when he came on to do Phantasm 3, he was like, it was just another movie. I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? And the show's like, you know, he's barely in it. 
You know what I'm saying? And I remember being really excited for that. You know what I'm saying? Because, hey, we got Michael Baldwin back. And, oh, no, he's gone again. <laughs> and, and he's and he's gone for, like, the majority of the movie. And then it be, basically becomes Reggie's movie. Which is, uh, you know, in Coscarelli's defense, you know what I'm saying? That's why Reggie took Forefront, because he really didn't have Michael Baldwin to work with. You know what I'm saying? So it's like Reggie became the de facto hero uh, of not just that film, but the series. You know what I'm saying? To where it's just like, you know, People like, oh, like you got Ash, Ash Williams, and you got Reggie Bannister as like, you know, these these happy go lucky like losers, like who just happen to be good at fighting these evils. And it's just like, I, I, I don't even like, at least Ash is a little confident in fighting the evil dead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Reggie just wins by luck, like particularly in here, uh, when he fights like the the, the undead cop. Um it's just like he gets by just purely by luck, but um, he still he still gets fucked over in the long run because uh he 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 uh he he's able to like uh shoot the cop with the shotgun that's attached in, into the car, and then like checking out to see like is he dead the, the the undead cop throws up in his mouth, and it's just like, and I like how that's become like a thing with Reggie because that same thing happened to him in part three. Where like the yellow fluid just spilled in his mouth and shit, and it's like, is is is, is this a thing? Where it's just, is this like a Sam Raimi, uh, Bruce Campbell thing? Where Coscarelli just likes fucking punishing his actor? Where it's just like, I'm gonna hit you with shit, and Coscarelli's always like, I'm just going to shoot yellow fluids in your mouth, and you're gonna accept it. And Reggie Bennett's just is like, all right, fine, Don, whatever. You know it's a kink that they share. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, um. I know the stipulation from Michael Baldwin coming back to do for was that he wanted more uh, input on the movie, which is why he's a co-producer on it. And like, you know, he actually, I think put some input in the story, which is why like it, it, it works the way it does and shit. And like Coscarelli himself has said that, you know, like he didn't have universal kind of like on his back, like, you know, what he was doing, because like, that was a stipulation they had when he did too, was that it can't be dream dreamy. Like, like you did in the first one. It has to be a real threat, you know. It has to be for real. It has to take place in the real world. And he's like, "All right, fine, whatever. I don't care," you know. Which he, which is a thing he regretted because um, after the first Phantasm came out, uh, he was offered loads of money to do another one. And he's like, "I'm done. That was just one off. You know what I'm saying? It's over. Open and shut. I got this new thing. I got Beastmaster. It's gonna be a big hit. It's gonna make me a big movie director. It's gonna be great. I don't need Phantasm." And the funny thing is, nothing is that his mother, who helped, who was really good uh, asset to him on the first one, she actually wrote uh, a, 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 a book sequel to Phantasm, which kind of like you know continued on from what it was. Like it didn't have uh, Mike in it; it had his cousin, like his his his, his female cousin and shit. And like she teamed up with Reggie, like to investigate the uh, like like you know this tall man and like his his whole thing, and like. Uh, he thought that was a good idea, but he was just like, he had moved on. And then, uh, he fucking, when it came time to fucking, uh, do Phantasm 2, like, he just had to come up with his own thing, and he, like, like I should have used that idea. It was better. Um, but, like, you know, he didn't want to do it because, you know, he wanted to bring back Mike and, you know, Michael Baldwin, and Universal told him, no, we're giving you the money, you do what we say. And he was just like, all right, fine. And then, like, the same thing happened with Phantasm 3, although they gave him less money to do that. And he's like, all right, fine, you're giving me money, sure. But then, like, you know, with this one, uh, this was uh, an Orion uh, production, 
Okay. Yeah, Orion is the one that released it. Um, but like he he had less money than fucking. He had more money than Phantasm, but less money than Phantasm Three. Okay. I think the, the I think the budget on this was six hundred thousand. Um, so he was just like, you know what, fuck, but like, you know, he, he had freedom to do whatever the fuck he wanted again, like he had on the first one. So he was like, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to take it back to its origins, make it more dreamlike and, and, and really fucking weird. And he certainly did (laughs) 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 because like this shit, like I remember the first time I seen it, I was like. Because I was really excited, you know what I'm saying? Because I've said it before, I'm a huge fan of the Phantasm franchise. Uh, like, I, I, I love uh, part one more than life itself. Uh, two, I, I love a lot. Three, it can go to hell. Um, I like three, personally. I, I hate that movie. Um, I remember when it became apparent that I hated three. Matt was like, Fanta- I'm a, a Home Alone kid? I was like, Home Alone kid. <laughs> he sucks. And I also hate the comedy. I just it, it's too funny, you know what I'm saying? Like the Phantasm movies always had a level of comedy, but like it, it tries to be too much of a comedy. It's like it's almost like Coscarelli was trying to do his Army of Darkness, and it's like no, that does not suit you. Like just do Fuck not do you. That. Fucking Boba Hotep is fucking hilarious. Yeah, but Boba Hotep, you know what I'm saying, was meant to be hilarious. You know what I'm saying? It's just like he, like he was going for a slapstick almost in Phantasm Three, and it does not work. You know what I'm saying? And that Home Alone kid sucks. That's why I'm glad he gets killed off. Um, the, the, the funny thing is that we we don't even find out what happens to Tim from Part Three. Like he just disappears. Like we the last time we saw Tim, he he did the the whole he gets grabbed through through the window, and then that's it. We never see Tim again. So obviously he gets killed off. But and in, in Coscarelli's original script, he did have a point of seeing that uh, Tall Man's minions did eat Tim. He just. They just like oh no that's too far and I was like no it wasn't too far I would have, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that in all gory detail eat that little motherfucker eat him I hate him I hate him I hate his guts I hope all the bad things in life happen to him and nobody else but him that's a little too far um, <laughs> um but like yeah he was like I'm gonna go back to the roots of the original and you know what I'm saying make it my way and what I want and also. He uh, had found the like a lot of extra discarded footage from the original that he like like funny enough the original cut of Phantasm was three hours long or over yeah. three hours and he was like yeah this is way too long, fucking long so he cut it down considerably to ninety minutes so there was like you know a whole like ninety minutes or more of footage and like he wanted to incorporate it which which I really appreciate because like this is why the essential is parent because it's essentially about like you know time loops you know what i'm saying like you know going through like various time loops and alternate dimensions of like dealing with that uh like the tall man like when he came to to to, to the town came into the world and just basically just started fucking destroying it uh in, in order to repopulate his home world um which is like uh, fucking coscarelli's brain i don't know how that shit works but like I, i'm glad it works the way it does you know what i'm saying the fact that like you use uh, deleted footage from your movie and then just make it a point yes. of, of your newest film, you know what I'm saying? This is like I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't fucking get it. Um, I kind of do, but like I'm not gonna pretend like I, I understand everything. Oh no, my whole thing is like my reaction to watching this the first time was like you don't probably get this reference, but like um, in the episode of The Simpsons, like when um, like Krusty loses the teen scratchy cartoons to Gabbo. And like uh, he like watches the Russian like thing, and then like it just cuts to him be like, 
what the hell is that? I did see my reaction to watching Phantasm 4 was it just like, I was just like, just flummoxed by it. I mean, the one thing I will say is um, they actually do a really good job of making it like more or less seamless. And that is difficult in the, in, cause like, um, in the case of obviously like um, Amica Baldwin, there's a massive, obvious different age. That one kind of less like played yeah. with because what the fuck are you going to do? Right. Um, but in the case of uh, Angus Scrim as Tall Man, like definitely like very noticeable age difference between, yeah. but they do a really good job of kind of camouflaging it. Like it's not seamless, but it's surprisingly effective in terms of like when you're showing, cause the whole thing is basically the tall man doesn't age like, cause he's not whatever. And, um, but very clearly Angus Grimm does. Yeah. And they do a really good job of like, kind of showing like kind of the different ages of the tall man without making it obvious yeah. that like you have a very differently aged Angus Grimm. Mm. And I was just like, that's, I would credit all credit to him because like, that's really, really well done. Um, the only thing I will say is um, it's really well done with Inga Scrim. It is not done well with Jody. Um, and it is kind of okay with uh, Reggie because Reggie has never looked young. So, like, in his case, it's fine. No, see, like, I, I can understand, like, uh, uh, there really is no explanation because, like, you know, the, the real explanation is they just got older. You know what I'm saying? But with with Mike and Reggie, it's understandable because they, you know, they still exist in the real world, and you know, time has passed, so obviously they're getting older. With uh, the tall man, it's because like he, like the 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 person you see as a tall man is not his actual form. Um, he is an alien that has inhabited the body of Jebediah Morningside, and like in my theory, is kind of like the thing with the Terminator. Where it's just like, you know, they exist in this body, but they exist in a body that does age um, fairly like, you know, he's like you, you go along and shit and it's like he's aging slowly, but because it's a human body, like it can't sustain. So it's just like, oh, throughout like hundreds of years, it's it's aged, you know what I'm saying? Uh, from when like we we first see him to where we're seeing him now, like the body slowly decaying because it's essentially a dead body. It's just that while he's inhabiting it, um, it's just like slowly decaying. Um, that that that's not an explanation that anyone has given. That's just my theory. Okay. Bill Thornberry is Jody. He's just he's just getting old, and there's nothing <laughs> they can do about it. Like there is no real reason why Jody should be older, should look older. It's just that Bill Thornberry has gotten old. You know what I'm saying? He's gotten old and tubby. You know what I'm saying? It's like I, I know I shouldn't be talking because I'm a fan. <laughs> so, but you know what I'm saying? It's just like last time we seen Jody, he's all like you know handsome and slick. You know, not saying that Bill Thornberry is not handsome anymore. He's just a handsome older dude. Um, but like, yeah, like, you know, he's, he had like the fucking sideburns that were basically mutton chops cause it was the seventies, you know what I'm saying? And he was cool. And now he's just like, you know, some like middle-aged dad you know, in the movie, you know what I'm saying? He's got the receding hairline and all that shit. He looks more like a young grandpa. Like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, young grandpa with the dad bod, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's no real reason for that. It's just Bill Thornberry got older. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else, like, like, I'm, like, like I said, um, 
Mike and Reggie have the most thorough explanation. Uh, with with Angus Scrim, it's just my theory, and with Bill Thornberry, it's just you know, there's nothing they can do about that. It's just like just 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 pretend you don't notice that he's. A <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, like yeah, like I do love that that he you know he he really res- like you know even that regard like because he easily could just replace him. You know what I'm saying? But he just wants to maintain continuity, which is what pissed him off about, you know, Phantasm 2, which still pisses off Michael Baldwin. You know what I'm saying? I, even though I know that, like, he tries to, like, you know, oh, well, Michael Baldwin, like, wasn't acting anymore. And Michael Baldwin says that's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? I, I would have come back. It's just, you know, that, that that decision was made and shit, and that's why I didn't do the movie. He refers to Phantasm 2 as the film that shan't be named. Um, cause he's, he's still very bitter about it to this day. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, but I love the fact that like, you know, no matter what, no matter how old they get, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, these were the people I use and I want to maintain that continuity. That's why I'm like, is that dip in like, not say quality, but just like, you know, in the, in the, the, the whole like franchise per se and shit. Cause it's like Phantasm 2 would be perfect to me. It's just, you know, that major hindrance of continuity where it's just like, we go from, Michael Baldwin to, to 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 gorgeous gorgeous fucking uh um James, Le- James Le- yeah James LeGrill uh and then just back to Michael Baldwin for the rest of it and it's just it's just it just throws me off. I, I still love Phantasm too but it throws me off. Um but no like like when when this came out I remember I forgot what it was but um this was when Orion had tried to make a small comeback like in the late nineties and they like, they were releasing stuff, uh, through, through MGM. Uh, and like, I, I had a few of their movies. There was a movie they called, called double edge. Also American dragons, which starred Michael Bean. And, uh, it was basically a buddy cop movie, um, with him and like an Asian, uh, police officer where they were hunting down bad guys, kind of like almost like a reversal of, um, uh, black rain oh, okay. Asian cop comes to America and teams up with the American cop to track down, you know, bad guys. Uh, there was, uh, even though it wasn't like, uh, was it disturbing behavior? That wasn't Orion and shit, but because it was MGM release, you know what I'm saying? And Orion was releasing their things through MGM, like his home video. Uh, a lot of their trailers were on, uh, like MGM DVDs. Like, that's why I was telling you that one time, uh, Patrick Dempsey had like the, the fugitive ripoff called The Escape. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I have no recollection of that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it was like this is like when Patrick Dempsey was in that weird phase. It was like right before uh, Grey's Anatomy and Sweet Home Alabama and all that stuff. Like, but like he was still in that phase where like he was like, eh, he's not quite handsome yet. And then like you know he had Sweet Home Alabama and Grey's Anatomy. And it's like everybody's like, oh my god, Patrick Dempsey. We well, had- I mean to be fair, I would say he's very handsome in Scream Three, but like. I mean, he was getting there. He was getting there. Like you could see the transition to where it's like, you know, he's like he's he's filling out his features, you know. And then like, you know, I, I think what happened was that like he stopped doing that like curly fro shit he had, and just like started slicking his hair back like considerably, like going to like the lemon tree and getting a nice haircut. And then like you know he he got like you know a little heavier, a little bit more buffer. And then all the women were like, oh my god, Patrick Dempsey. We had no idea. You're so hot. McDreamy. You know what I'm saying? And now, like, you know, he's the sexiest man alive and all that shit. But, like, this was, like, before that, like, before, like, Grey's Anatomy and, like, but after, like, shit, like, Run um, and Mobsters, 
like you know when he was still like he's a weird looking guy well he's quirky and we like him you know what i'm saying uh and like yeah like i remember that but like i forgot what it, it may have been disturbing behavior um there was also um I'm not. It makes no point to mention because I, I forget the, the 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 name of it. But there was like a Paulie Shore crime comedy trailer. I remember on one of those things where he played like an ice cream vendor, which is weird <laughs> and shit because there's ice cream vendor in this. Which is the thing about Reggie that I think is fucking hilarious. It's it just like the weirdest fucking occupation that not only could you give a lead of your fucking film, but like that you could make your badass fucking like zombie alien creature killer is the fucking ice cream man <laughs> like the ice cream man is our hero the bald ponytailed ice cream man no and what's funny about it is that they they have a scene in here where they have like you know like you know the 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 the, the, the standard like always welcome for me the gear up scene where the badass hero gears up for the final battle and it's literally him putting on his ice cream <laughs> uniform. He's standing there with the iconic quadruple barrel shotgun and his ice cream vendor suit. And it's just like, like it should be hilarious, but it actually is awesome to me. Because you know, so, like, he's just standing there and they're playing like, duh, 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 like it's all epic and shit. And it's just like, yeah, you gotta love it. You know, it should I be hilarious. I fall into the, the camp of hilarious or awesome. I fall in the camp of what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> that is the camp that I fall into. You know, the funny thing is, yeah, he goes into Ravager wearing that same outfit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they continue on like for a considerable amount of time where he's just hunting uh, uh, dwarves with the fucking Kajuba shotgun wearing his ice cream vendor suit. <laughs> Well, to be fair, the one thing about this franchise that I will say, it's actually the weird thing that I think about, like, the whole, like, the way that the time works in it, is that, like, it is a franchise that is not only beholden to continuity, it is a franchise where it's, like, everyone, they, like, pick up the second last one, like, left off, and yeah. then they just go from there. And yeah. I was just like, which is why it gets really weird when they're just like, these men have clearly aged considerably in the time that you have made these films, but all of them take place within like the, like the last second of the one before it. I had like they wildly different in appearance. <laughs> that, but you know, that's why I was like, what I was talking about yes. is that because Coscarelli is trying to move on. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I, uh, I made a Phantasm movie, moving on. <laughs> oh no. I can't get any any more funding for anything other than the Phantasm movie. All right, I do another one, but everyone's aged. And it's like, all right, I do it. Now moving on. <laughs> oh, I got to make another Phantasm movie. All right, fine. All right, that's it. I'm done. Like you know, years later and shit, he's trying to get something off the ground and he can't. Oh. I guess I got to do another Phantasm movie. Okay, moving on. <laughs> well, that's why we, yeah, like five, he's like, it's the end. We're done forever. No more Phantasm movies. And like, I mean, I'm going to assume he's going to hold on to it. I don't know for sure <laughs> right. at this fucking point. No, like, yeah, it's just like, uh, I mean, you know, he's like, like his output, like th that's the, the fucked up thing about Coscarelli is that, that, that is a shame. Like, you know, you know, laugh, make jokes about it and shit. But that is fucked up is that, you know, because he, he's a director with, you know, with a creative vision and like he works like, you know, like all the other stuff, you know what I'm saying? You just mentioned Bubba Hotep. 
I fucking love Bubba Hotep. I like Bubba. Yeah, no, Bubba Hotep fucking rules. Yeah, Bubba Hotep really fucking rules. And then, of course, uh, John dies at the end. For a long time, Bubba Hotep was the only Don Castrillo movie I liked. It wasn't until, like, I eventually got into it. Fan- I told you, like, when I first watched Phantasm, yeah, yeah. I did not get it at all. And yeah. then, um, and so I, I remember liking Phantasm too, but, like, I didn't. After I watched the original Phantasm, I'm like, I'm okay with not revisiting that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like for years, I was just like, and I ended up finally seeing uh, Bo Hotep, and I was like, oh, that that was really fucking cool. And then I watched his like Masters of War episode, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And so then I went back and watched Phantasm again. And then it's like the more times I watched Phantasm, the original Phantasm, the more I got into it. But again, yeah. it's like, it is. It's funny that like he is like a journeyman director, but like with a very specific like vision yeah um it's because it's like in the case of like phantasm in of itself it's like kind of they're all their own very specific things um but like the fact that like in between these he's making like fucking um the beastmaster and fucking uh boba hotep and like i mean john's eyes at the end kind of makes sense um because even though it's comedic it's also very like mind bendy so that makes sense although i will say it's like it's way less than this because like it's funny like that was my whole thing was like the first one is like esoteric but like this one as i said is like so esoteric that i'm just like i don't understand what you're doing anymore <laughs> like it's just like it's like you want to make like a fucking like el topo like Jodorowsky movie but you're like i have to use the tall man so how the fuck do we do that? And this was where he came out of that. And I'm like, I don't know how you got here. Please explain to me how you got here. I just want to understand. <laughs> nah, it's just like, like, like I said, like that's probably what he re- really wanted to do. But he just had, like, you know, it's like the only way he could get funding is that if it was a phantasm movie. So it's just like I have these things I want to do. Um, you know, studio wants it a phantasm movie, so I'm just going to do both. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of almost like he shares similar situation with uh, Rob Zombie, where yeah. it's just like Rob Zombie clearly wants to do other things. Uh, or even Wes Craven, because we talked about that in the last episode. Like, Wes Craven clearly wanted to do other things outside of the horror genre, but, like, he was held down. Like, luckily, like, he was able to do things, like, you know, that was separated from, you know, his most famous franchise, you know what I'm saying? Um... With, with like, but like, like with Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie clearly wants to do other things, but they clearly want him to make more fucking uh, Firefly Family movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like he, like he, he killed him off after the, at the end of the Devil's Rejects, and it's like, no, we want another one. So he comes back with, like, with three from Hell and shit, which I didn't even bother watching. I actually um, didn't hate it, but it, and, that, and that's saying something because of my disdain for Rob Zombie. Um, but like that's why when you were comparing him to Rob Zombie, I was like, that's not fair because Don Cascarelli is talented. Um, but, um, Ouch. <laughs> um that was that was fucking harsh. That's actually not the way I feel. I think Rob Zombie is a very talented musician. Um, <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, but like in the case of like Zombie, it's like it was funny because like um, I saw Rejects, which I really liked. Um, and so I was really excited for his Halloween, which made me want to take my own life. And then, um, when he came back to do, cause like, originally I, I told you, I was just like, after Lords of Salem, which I fucking hated, I was just like, I'm done with zombie. I'm done. There's no more zombie movies. So I didn't watch 31 when it came out. And then he was like, I'm doing another Firefly movie. I'm like, God damn it. All right. And so like, I watched three from hell and I'm like, it's not in the same league as Devil's Rejects. 
but it is exponentially better than most of the other stuff that he has done. So take that however you like. I like this Monsters movie. I know you did, which I don't completely understand. But like, because it's like, I, I don't dislike it. I just think it's boring as hell. But that's just me. Ah, uh, you're being mean. No, I'm really not. <laughs> I swear to God. I, I wanted to like it. I love the Monsters. I was really excited. I was like, if anyone's going to do the Monsters properly, it's Rob Zombie. Because Rob Zombie fucking loves the Monsters probably even more than I do. Yeah. And then I watched it. And I was just like, huh. So that's... That's that's what you got for the monsters. Okay, kind of kind of re- rooting for you now, but that's that's fine. That's that's okay. Yeah, no, but it's just like like the, the same thing kind of like happened with Coscarelli, where it's just like he he clearly wants to move on, but like it's just that it's the only way I'm gonna get money to make movies if it's a fucking phantasm movie. So it's like maybe it's like he he's kind of happy that fucking Ravager came out the way it did and shit because like nobody wants any more after this, you know what I'm saying? Unless it's a remake, and um I don't I don't know if like he's into actually, uh uh fucking allowing the film to be remade. Unless, I feel like, like if, if I feel like if it was gonna get remade, it would have been remade by now. Like I'm guessing yeah. he isn't because like, I feel like in that age of like the 2000s where like every fucking piece of IP was mined and remade mm. from the most iconic to the most obscure. Anything that had name value was remade. The fact that Phantasm didn't suggests that he probably isn't into letting that go. Yeah. Uh, and I think is that, like, he probably would if it was, like, a, a director, like, a filmmaker he really liked. Like that, he felt like had like a, a definitive vision of the story to let it go and shit. If if I, I'm pretty sure if J.J. Abrams came up to him and was like, "Hey, I got an idea," he'd probably be like, "All right, fine." But um, other than that, like I, I don't think he's just like, yeah, he's just like, nah, nah, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Which which is you know uh, is very like is very cool thing, very noble with that you know because there's you know filmmakers out there that don't even have that opportunity to turn a remake like shit of theirs just get remade whether they want it or not like a carpenter no that's what i will give credit where credit's due in that um the fact that like coscarelli um has had the fucking integrity to like clearly he just does what he wants to fucking do yeah even if it's not commercially viable Mm -hmm. um because like i don't think honestly anyone thought that like fucking uh, like John dies at the end was gonna be like this big fucking thing. He pr- clearly just did it because he wanted to. Like I mean, I don't think that like like I mean, I think that he definitely comes back to do Phantasm movies because those will obviously make money, but like and allow him to do other things. But like the fact that even when he does Phantasm movies, it's still very much it feels like what he wanted to do at that moment, and yeah. he just manages to build Phantasm around that. Um, there is something to be said for that, um, because a lot of people don't have that, like, where they're just, like, they'll just kind of keep doing the same shit, just because, like, whatever, um, like, that's just what's the the tried and true, and the fact that he has the balls to be, like, even even if, like, it doesn't, like, again, because it's, like, this whole franchise is all over the fucking place, in terms of, like, what it's doing, like, no two fan dozen movies are alike. Um, even when he's trying to, because like, as I said, this was the return to the first one. And I'm like, wow, 
this is so fucking far off from what you said that it was going to be. Like, you're like, ah, yes, the return of esoterics to the fan franchise. Like, no, 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 no. What you did before was very different than this. Like, there was no return here. Like, you you went to a, you took a hard left turn. You entered an entirely new territory. Um, but, like, <laughs> it's a dude who very clearly, really, because he, he started really, I read, I read his book when it came out, um, and it's really interesting because it's basically like a dude who started off really young yeah. in the studio system and then kind of ended up finding um, the most success completely outside of it. Like, yeah. not even like kind of like an outsider, like fully like independent, like yeah. is kind of where he made his like kind of his mark. Yeah. And like the fact that he was able to do that, the fact that like, Again, like even though I'm not like the hugest fan of this movie by answer to the imagination, um, again, I give, still give all the credit in the world for the fact that he was just like, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to do it. And it's like, just because it's not for me doesn't mean I think it's like in any way, like, like it's it's lesser or whatever. It's just like, it's just not my, like, it's not what I would have wanted. But also, again, I like three. And I mean, I know I'm not, I know there's. I know that you're not the only one who does not like three. So it's like that's fine. Like I'm in no way saying like whatever. I'm just everybody has different kind of preferences. Yeah. Um, so it's like, but it just yeah. No, I just think that he should be commended for the fact that he had the balls to be like, just I'm gonna do what the fuck I feel like. And if people show up, cool. If people don't show up, who gives a fuck? Like so, it's like he doesn't seem like that kind of artist, but he very clearly in his soul is. Yeah. Now, like, one thing I appreciate about this, something you mentioned is, like, you know, he clearly is doing whatever he wants to do, you know, with, you know, within the confines of, like, you know, the Phantasm film he's making and that no uh, two Phantasm movies are alike. But what I love is that he still uh, has, like, integrity enough to, 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 you know, maintains, you know, uh, a dedication to the franchise to keep within continuity. So it's just, like, he's not, like, fucking just, like, like clearly like i mean obviously he's making up as he goes along but like make sure like it you know it's streamlined enough that you could follow it per se like you know it's it's not like in comparison like uh the resident evil uh movies okay where it's just like it's clear that you know uh fucking paul w anderson he, he goes into it like whatever he feels like doing so it's just like He'll leave a Resident Evil, uh, Evil movie off, like it said, like oh, it ends like this, and like you know, you you're waiting to the next one to see how it continues, and then he just pivots into something completely different, where it's just like at the end of five, like it's set up for this final battle at the White House with the zombies, and then part six is oh yeah, that happened, and we're like we're now in like fucking uh, Mad Max Fury Road territory here, you know, because Mad Max Road, Mad Max Fury Road came out and he really liked it. He wanted to do that, <laughs> so he clearly didn't want to fucking continue on with where he left off the story. Says, you know, what I'm saying he does that all the time throughout that franchise and shit. And it's like, well, I love Coscarelli. Coscarelli doesn't do that. Where Coscarelli has specific things he wants to do, but like you know, I left it off here. And I'm going to continue on from there and shit because that's how the story's playing out. And you know, I, I really appreciate him for doing that and shit because like he really could have been like that and just ah fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Well, what what happened between three and four? What happened between four and five? This happened. You know what I'm saying? Like he left here and he he's here right now and shit from where he left off. You know what I'm saying? 
it's just like it, 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 you know, it's, it takes a strong filmmaker to just maintain that. Like when he clearly just like, ah, I want to do something else. But no, this is where it was, and I'm going to pick up from there, and I'm going to continue on. You know, what I'm saying, and if I could maintain some new things in there, like you know, saying beautiful, but like I'm going to continue on with the story as I set it up, and I'm not just going to be a dickhead and just move on from it. You know, what I'm saying, <laughs> not saying Paul Anderson is a dickhead, but like he does, like he does do dickhead things to that franchise where it's like, you know. I'm 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 comfortable calling Paul Anderson a dickhead, but um, but my whole thing is like, but even like other like filmmakers who work in franchises, they like still like kind of make pivots and like, like there's so many movies where there's like, like the continuity doesn't make any fucking sense. So right. like what you're saying, there is like a validity to, um, because like that's the whole thing is like um. Like, for instance, fucking, like, I mean, Christ, like, the Halloween franchise, like, it's basically, like, at this point, it's, like, its own, like, Christ on Infinite Earth. Yeah. And, like, they're all kind of their own separate continuities. And then, like, Leatherface, Leatherface's franchise is very much, like, basically everyone we're just redoing this, the, the, the second one. Yeah. But this is, like, the, the, this is Texas Massacre 2. It's, like, now this one is Texas Massacre 2. Now this one is Texas Massacre 2. And it's, like, <laughs> In the case of Phantasm, it's it is one continuous thing, which I mean, as I said, like I do give credit where credit's due. Like, there's tons of things that don't even bother trying to do that, let alone like doing it successfully. Because like I wouldn't, I mean, granted, I haven't watched them all in succession in a while, but I did watch them all in succession um, a handful of years ago, and there's really no, I didn't really notice any like massive, like glaring, like, you know, like holes or anything like that. Right. Like, it, it all still feels consistent and like and granted i said like, the movies are wildly different but in terms of the storytelling it's all very like it, it feels very well curated in what he did and that's the thing is like, i was just like so it's like again like i might only like be like the hugest fan but i respect the fuck out of him for making this movie even if it's not like necessarily like my taste but it's like i definitely respect the fuck out of him for making it because it's like it's you didn't need to like it's like yeah, I mean, he might have like needed to, on like a, just like to get other products funded level, but like just in terms of like him having to like do this and be and treat it with the care that he did, he didn't need to. He just chose because yeah. it meant something to him as an artist. And I'm just like, I give I give all the credit in the world to that. Yeah, like and also we have to acknowledge that uh, uh, you know what I'm saying he seems like he seems like a a, a good cool dude. Yeah, um, I was in a room with him um, at Comic Con a couple of years ago because uh, that's the thing. Like when he released the book, he was doing a panel with uh, CM Punk, um, where like they like it was like a Q and A, and like it was like a whole Don Coscarelli. Yeah, he like it's weird. He like he's like for the guy who made the Phantasm franchise, he seems like the most normal fucking down to earth dude you can imagine. Like like David Lynch is like he seems normal, but then like you understand why he's like this. Because, yeah. like, his personality also is very weird. Um, whereas Don Coscarelli, he seems like the most normal fucking guy in the world that is also making some of the weirdest fucking art you could possibly imagine. Yeah, yeah. Now, like, I, like I say that because um, uh, we should note that uh, 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 KMB worked on this movie um, for, I think, little to no money as a favor to him. Uh, like how that came about was that uh, 
uh, Reggie Bannister has uh, an appearance in uh, Wishmaster, okay. uh, where he plays the pharmacy doctor, you know, saying who melts. Um, and uh, he was, uh, it, it obviously, you know, that was directed by Robert Kurtzman, who was uh, the K and K and B, and like so, K and B, you know, did the effects for that movie. And Reggie was talking to uh, Greg Nicotero and shit because they, you know, they worked together before. Um, and he was telling Greg that, uh, oh, like, you know, um, I'm actually um, trying to work with Don again to do another Phantasm movie, but Don is, uh, like, you know, having trouble, uh, um, like, getting it made and all that stuff. He doesn't have a lot of money. So, like, you know, he was looking to see if, like, he could get any, like, young guy to do makeup effects, you know what I'm saying? Like, did you know anybody? And Greg responded, tell Don to fucking call me. You know what I'm saying? And, like, you know, he did. And, like, you know, they came on and, like, they did effects for this movie for, like, just, like like I said, little for no money. Just because they liked Don, you know what I'm saying? They fuck with him heavy, you know what I'm saying? I know, like, um, I know Greg, I don't know if it was, uh, no, I know Robert, Robert Kurtzman uh, worked on Phantasm 2. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, was it uh, Kurtzman and Berger who worked on there? I don't know if, like, you know what I'm saying, because uh, Nick uh, Canby hadn't been formed yet. Yeah. Like, the, the first time they worked together, all three of them was uh, Evil Dead 2. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but, I, like, I know Robert Kirsten definitely worked on it, and I know that they did the effects for part three. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, they had already established a relationship with each other and shit. So it's just like, he obviously is a cool enough dude that, like, you know, these... You know the premier special effects company in in Hollywood because K and B was doing everything at that time, in in the nineties. Like you know, and they were doing big movies too. Um, but they were just like, oh, he need like he needs makeup effects. Sure, we'll do it. Oh, but he can't afford to pay you. That's fine. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Don is our boy, and we got his back, so we're gonna help him out here. Um, you know what I'm saying? Which also shows just how much of a cool dude like Greg and them were, you know what I'm saying? Like to, to be able to do that. But like, yeah, it's just like he, he obviously is a sweet dude, you know what I'm saying? The, the constantly looking out for his peoples. That's why he keeps putting them in his movies, even though when it's just like they've obviously, you know, it makes say, no sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You know what I'm saying? But he's gonna do it because like, you know, he looks out for his peoples. He's like he's like Sam Raimi in that regard that Sam keeps putting like Bruce and uh Bruce clearly has started his own career and shit, but he's like, nah, come over here, get a big check on this Spider-Man movie. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and Scott Spiegel as well. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's like, like, yeah, that, that, there's always a reason why I've liked Don. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I, I like his work and shit. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's cool to see that, uh, you know, like he, he actually seems like one of the cool dudes in, you know, in filmmaking. And like, yeah, it just sucks that, you know, it's like if he wants to make a movie... It has to be a phantasm movie, but like, luckily, like I, I think with, uh, and it's funny that you mentioned John dies at the end, obviously because Coscarelli directed, but um, I just did a episode with Lindsay for her show, uh, 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 yeah, for um, the stepfather and the guest, oh, okay, and um, what's his name, uh, Chase Williams, is is in the guest, and uh, I remember like we we were talking about the actors in there. And I was struggling to remember his name because I couldn't. So I was I was just about to go, just call him John Dies at the End guy. <laughs> so, and then Lindsay came out and gave him the name. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Chase Williams. 
Like, because he was about to just beat John Dies at the end guy. Because <laughs> that's all I know from all the then. The guests. The guests and John Dies at the end. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the save, Lindsay. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I wonder if actors, like, you know, just go about and like, hey, someone did a podcast in the movie I made. I want to hear what they say. Would they say anything good about me? It's like, yeah. Uh, movie title guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, they can't even remember my fucking name. Well, at least I remembered your performance in it. You know what I'm saying? That you were good. I just, your name slips me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, like, it, it's weird too because I gotta say, uh, like, uh, like uh, as I've stated, uh, I, I, I love this franchise, you know. Not three, but you know, <laughs> and like I said, like I don't hate Ravager. Like, it really uh, upsets me that you're like, oh no, Ravager is okay, but three, I can't deal with three. I was like, are you fucking insane? <laughs> like, I was just like, like, I'm not saying that, like, I don't understand people's distaste for three, but like, compared to five, holy shit, like, what the fuck? It's one of those things was like, I, I, I could see what they were going for. I don't necessarily feel like it was executed the best, considering like they they probably had less money than this to make it. Um, but I, I like the ideas and like you know they 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 tried to go for it, it just didn't work. Um, and, and probably in Coscarelli's defense, like he wasn't the original director; he just came in to like fix the the movie's problems. So I, I don't put that on him or like the performers. But, like they clearly tried their best. Um, it just didn't work out. Three, like, yeah, no, fuck that movie. Like, it's it's just it's just the, the wrong tone and just off putting. Like, I hate I hate the, the 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 trio of robbers and thieves in there. Like, they suck so bad. Like, you know, they we're doing three, so shut the fuck up, Rob. <laughs> noted, noted. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you know, so other than that, you know, I love this franchise. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, uh where do I put four? Like, I, I love the first one is my favorite, and you know, and then there's two and four, and it's like I, I love, I love two, I, I, I really love two. I, I watch two all the fucking time, but it's like there's something about four where it's just like, you know, what I'm saying maybe, maybe it's like, like I said, like you know, the, the the real like surrealist experimental quality of it. You know, what I'm saying that just keeps me coming back to it because like I, I watched this movie a lot. I remember I watched because this was before Ravager came out. I watched. All four of them in one sitting because remember, like they fucking released like the the yeah. Phantasm Ball, I remember, yeah. like like with like the the first four movies in it. Oh, I thought and... they were five. Okay. Or... No, 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 no. There was an, uh, another one that was like a a UK release. Oh, okay. That, that that I had to order and shit uh, when I had a region free player, um, and you know had to had to order that and shit and you know what I'm saying it was a beautiful set, um, and uh. I, I brought it over to, to my girlfriend uh, at the Times house and shit. We watched all four over the weekend. And, like, you know, we had a jovial time watching the first one, rewatching the first one, and, you know, same same jokes and throughout it, like, joking around. And part, part two as well, part three, it was just joking about how much I hated the movie. And then part four, we were watching part four, and I said nothing. <laughs> And she was like, oh, what's the matter? Like, you know, we were joking around about all the other ones, but, you know, you're quiet through this one. I was like, because I'm actually watching it. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, 
the, that's the the alluring quality about it is just like this movie you know what i'm saying it has such a like beauty to it that it gets me to shut the fuck up you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying no matter how many times i've seen it like i will sit there and shut the fuck up and watch it because like it's that kind of movie to me where it's just like i i love like just the, the wildness of it all the surrealness of it all you know what i'm saying where it's just like is 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 this truly reality? Is it everything a dream and shit? Is like what alternate universe we're in? Uh, and this is I, I I love it so much. You know what I'm saying? It's just like I, I'm not going to make that claim and shit because you know what I'm saying where I put it in compare like whether two or four where two or four goes behind one. I'll just leave that up to interpretation. But uh, yeah, I I I, I genuinely genuinely truly love this movie a whole fucking lot, and I'll just leave it at that. You you make that thing is like, you make so that like, with that which you will. I it's like it's it's like um it's one of the franchises where <laughs> I feel like everyone is a little bit worse than when they came before it. Um, but it doesn't mean any of them are bad except for Ravager. Um, but um, but no, I still like I don't dislike this one. I just like it's just not like my thing. Um, like I much like, the, but to be fair, at first the first one was my thing. So maybe. Years from now, I will have different feelings on it. I couldn't tell you, but like, because like it took me years before I finally got into the first one, mm-hmm. um, and now I appreciate it. But um, so it's like, who the fuck knows? But like, as of this second, I feel like it's like the fourth best. But um, I still is like, I still like, I don't dislike it. I just don't like. It's not like I don't know. It's like they went from kind of like this very like specific thing, and then it was um, kind of a more. Um, I don't know, haunted housey um, kind of a thing with like the second and third ones, which is like very much my speed. And then this one is very much like not that, where it's just like we're just doing like a fucking like weird esoteric fucking thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, I am not completely down with this, but like I don't dislike it. Um, so it's like, yeah, no, I, I definitely don't think it's like the strongest one, but I definitely think it's like it's it's like what I say, like it's like. It's not something where I like. I feel like I'm tortured by watching it. It's just like one that I'm just like. I'm just like. It's fine. Like I was just like. I don't dislike it. Like it's like. But I only re- will really watch it if I'm watching like the franchise. It's not one where I generally. Like, this is like the first time I've ever watched it out of context. Because um, like every other time, it's basically just like. But to be fair, that's the case with everyone really, but the first one. I guess I have watched Phantom Two out of context, and I have watched three out of context once but that was just because i was at a drive-in and they were showing it but it wasn't like it was a plan that i had yeah. um like whereas this one was like this is the first time i watched it kind of out, out of context and like in that regard i still think it was like it's still i still i i definitely think again i think coscarelli is a strong enough filmmaker that like even the ones that he's making that i'm not necessarily super into i'm still like appreciative of right. so it's like that's kind of my feeling on this is like it's not anywhere near my favorite but it's still i would still say like it's a solid enough entry in the franchise and it's kind of where i wish it had like gone out because like i don't like ravager um whereas this one i'm like this is fine like i was just like it's weird and in a way that i'm not entirely comfortable with but it's it's still it's still it's it's, it fits in i'm I'm okay with it yeah 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 me too like i i do love the ending too it's just like it's 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 kind of like sad but also kind of like beautiful in the sense where it's just like mike is dying and like his final vision is like you know, back to like him and Reggie back when they were young from the first movie, and it's like, hey, do you hear something? It's only the wind, and and that's it. And then they just drive off into the darkness, and it's over. And 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 I love that. Like that was the perfect way to leave the series on. But you know, 
they decided to continue. But it is what it is. But um, before we go, I did want to mention because uh, I realized I never really told the story about like how I first uh, came in like to know of this movie's existence was like I like I was I was watching the VHSs uh, and like the, the trailer for this one and it's like, holy shit it's a new Phantasm movie and it was just like you know like you know they were showing like you know clips from the movie and it all looks really cool and all that shit and then the announcer goes the sci-fi horror thriller with balls <laughs> and like phantasm four and i was just like that was a weird way to end the trailer but okay <laughs> it's like were you going for comedy motherfucker shit because you definitely achieved it <laughs> Or whatever. <laughs> and with that, uh, that, that brings that to our discussion uh, 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 on Fantastic Four and uh, our discussion for this episode. Uh, we, we thank you for joining us. Um, if you're checking for us, we're on uh, every major uh, podcast uh, outlet that there is. Um, you know, whatever. You know, you know all the, 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 the major ones, the good ones, whatever. Uh, as far as uh, social media, like we're all on the, every major one, even threads, which we don't post on. So who cares? Um, but like everyone else, we're, we're there too. Uh, so if you're looking to see what, like, what we got going on, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you're, you're welcome to do so. Uh, we thank you for joining us and we will catch you next time. Uh-huh.